0: Uh, uh. Hello? Hey! Oh, now I hear you. Okay. I exist. It's Can happening. you see me at all?
1: Not yet. hit your camera button?
2: It says go. Oh, get, I keep going. taking pictures.
1: It's <laughs> oh, yeah, you just took another there
2: picture. There you go. I see your venting system.
0: Yeah, Enjoy that.
1: All right, let me add you in here.
0: Are you guys the only people that see me or does the uh, internet see me too?
1: The internet will see you.
0: Yes. Okay. That's fine. Just changes if I uh, turn off games or not.
3: We'll start asking, Hey, how much is that game? How much is that game? How much is that game?
0: <laughs> oh, to sell? Yeah. That's why I only own two games on inside.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, I love when mm-hmm. we, uh, you list a game for sale. And the game you have for sale, nobody asks about. And they ask about every game around it. Well, is that one next to it for sale? Is there a sale post for that game? No,
0: not for sale. Yeah, that looks
1: really cool in there.
0: I'm trying. I got to walk the walk or something, so. <laughs> All
1: right, I got to fix some stuff here. Go ahead. Go about your business.
0: On Pinside, I... Uh... I list myself as only owning two games because I used to list myself with my whole collection and people would call me or not call me they would private message me regularly and be oh, yeah. like how much is this one and I would be like <laughs> it's not sale right and they would be like well clearly if you've got that many games you're a vendor it's like no I'm not it's not for sale just <laughs> cope. so yeah what what <laughs> game do you get hassled about the most that's a good question actually probably judge dread actually early on interesting mmm because everybody thought it was, you know, you could get them all day for a thousand bucks, and that clearly I would sell them for you to you for that price. And it was like, no, yeah, I may have paid that much for mine, but it's not for sale, guys. Sorry. When I posted, um, oh god, what was it?
3: Uh, oh, the double dragon for my garage for sale, and somebody asked what the price of the crow was, and I said it's not really for sale. And they go, well, how much do you want for it? I said, okay, seven thousand dollars. <laughs> And they said, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, I told you it wasn't for
0: sale. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Test one. Did you offer me $7,000, I was yeah,
0: seriously thinking
3: about it.
0: Right. Do you have all pins, or do you have some arcades, too? Uh, Well, do you want to go for a tour? I can walk around right now.
4: Yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> sure, let's do it. Actually, wait a second. Why don't we do that on the show?
0: If you want to. I don't know. I can barely see myself, so I'm going to film a lot of events if I do that. And, like, a lot of it I don't know if you can see a lot of it's off and okay. not as interesting right now. So. Still cool, though. Yeah. So. We, we
1: might have you repeat this during the interview.
0: Okay. Well, if it's interesting. carnival's over here. Nice. Uh, Hot New Game was a development cabinet for Midway. And okay. so um, Hit the Ice was developed on that cabinet. And uh, maybe WrestleMania also. So, interesting. Uh, it's a four-player JAMA cabinet. And I swap it all the time. Uh, Sega Super GTs. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are seeing. Sega Super GTs are my racing game. Um, I used to play it at Chuck E. Cheese and we had league and stuff like that. Um, oh, wow. I did break down and get a. Uh, I have to figure out where I am. Yeah, there it is. I did break down and get the arcade. Uh, one you did. Yeah. So I like Street Fighter, but my issue with Street Fighter has always been that it's uh, I don't have enough space for that game for the amount that I like it. And I could fit that one in and it was like, okay, what the hell? Why not? Um, Viper night driving, nice. uh, Jurassic park, Bram Stoker's Dracula, obviously. in work.
3: WWF rumble is one of the most underrated pins. That is actually a really fun pin, especially for new
0: players. I feel like it is, the I agree. is awesome. So yeah, the topper is going to get better because, uh, I don't know if you saw the video from Monday, but uh, I hear that Ted DiBiase is bringing a belt with him to the show.
2: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. To sell. Uh, I, reg- I regret selling mine.
3: Wow. your I had my Royal Rumble. That's one of the okay. ones I sold I in Hawaii. You have a championship
0: belt? Sweet. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Airborne, Galaxian, uh, Miss Pac-Man, uh maximum force and area 51 together which i have a weird relationship with because my wife that's the game that when we met i would play in the arcade and um we i would call her and shoot terrorists in between the calls to feel like i wasn't doing something insane then yeah and then uh (laughs) super mario brothers mushroom world wow with my magic cards on it, cause I'm an all about nerd. And then I probably won't actually show this corner because this corner is just a cluster bomb. Um, America's most haunted, uh, Caribbean cruise, star Trek, next gen Dem- demo man and outrun. Wow. I, I need a next gen. So <laughs> that one might be for sale. If I can ever fix it every time that I spend the time to fix it, <clears throat> it works for a day and then blows itself back up. And so, um, I'm kind of done with it <laughs> at this that, point.
3: That was so. my bride at Pinbot. That's the game I learned how to play pinball on. It was at the uh, laundromat that I, I went to in college. Nice. And so I think it got more quarters than my laundry did. Nice. Jurassic Park was my jam back in the day. I, you, you know, it's funny. Like, Jurassic Park's one of those machines. I bought um, that and a hook at the same time. I got the hook for a steal, like 700 bucks. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy collecting... Um, Basically that style of pin came through it was like oh I'll give you this much for the Jurassic Park And this much for the hook The Jurassic Park I could not get into Like I could understand how people would But I couldn't get into it So I let that one go I sold the hook reluctantly And that's another one I regret Like I should have never So that pin was fun And it's a beautiful pin Like it's a very
0: pretty pin Yeah How wow. long ago did you sell Jurassic Park? Two years See yeah. Well actually did you have the new code on it? No, uh I don't know. Okay, cuz um I I helped write that, so um, <laughs> it it yeah. probably
3: probably didn't. <laughs> and and I mean, the other thing is that you know how some games you like because they're fun to play and some games you just can't get the hang of and so it's frustrating. Yeah, Jurassic sure. Park was one of those games like I just could not get it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't and so it just got to the point where I'm like, "You know what? I'm I'm done with this one." <laughs> yeah. No, that's I totally get it. I'm really bad at selling machines, so um, <laughs> what you
1: see here is less than half of what I actually own. Nice. So, yeah, I don't know if it's nice or if it's crazy. We'll go live in a couple minutes after we see some chatters jump in. <clears throat> so let's see if this thing crashes tonight. Here we go.
3: Sorry. Man. Discovery, go at throttle. Up. All right. Turn that off. There we go. Discovery,
1: go at throttle. Up. It looks good. Yeah, if I do say so myself, which I do. I see some chatters jump in here.
3: Hello. Hello. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, crap. I need to look something up. I got a birthday dedication tonight. We've got a birthday dedication tonight.
5: It's a special one. That's Uh, that's actually pretty good. Someone's cat's turning two years old. It's better than your doc. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. (laughs) We'll just do it live. And now we're up to our long distance dedication. And this one's from a little dog named Snuckles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great. So Greaseball will be watching tonight. That's good. Chris Ball. Everybody's waiting for technical difficulties. Please
3: stand by. Discovery, how do you read? Discovery Houston, 20 seconds to LOS T-Dress. Oh, nice to be in orbit. Give me one second because I just uh,
2: hear this beeping in the background and I realize that I left the uh, refrigerator door open. Uh oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you left that door open. Yo,
1: Mike Martin, what's up,
5: buddy? Randy a little dog named Snuggles. We were lost in the Andes, and unfortunately, Snuggles was the only protein available to us. I don't know why they do this to me. <laughs> we just went out of a, a really downer song, now we're talking about freaking Snuggles. They <laughs> come out of an up-tempo record They I was to do
1: this to me.
2: You got it. Somebody get <laughs> down on the phone.
1: I love that clip i i am just not in the mood for the f-bomb right now (laughs) maybe later in the show
5: it's too early we got kids watching bronco billy what's up kids to bed kids time to put the kids to bed (laughs) and now we're up to our sexy long distance dedication (laughs) dear casey I'm not wearing underwear
4: right now.
5: (laughs) But I am wearing board shorts. (laughs) This one's from one Michael Hunt. (laughs) And he writes, Dear Casey, I'm not wearing any underwear right now.
2: My compression socks are evening it all out. <laughs>
5: oh, boy.
1: <And> Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> we have Ashton Kutcher in the chat.
4: <laughs> all right. Here we go. Three, two, one, zero, zero. zero. liftoff.
2: Liftoff. Americans return to space as Discovery clears the tower.
5: Live from KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, this is Arcade Radio. Hello, Commander. Computer report.
4: Stimulating opponent. Hello, and welcome
1: to Season 3, Episode 10 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, February 21st, 2019, and the time is now approximately 7.23 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcade sphere This is your host, Adam Stevens. I'm joined by my co-host, Mark Timerner-Shields, and ParadiseArcadeShop.com head ninja, Brian Thurston Howell Third. And tonight... The return of three-time guest host and Midwest Gaming Classic mastermind, Mr. Dan Lucen. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: One of the Midwest Gaming Classic Hey, you know,
1: on all the ads, I, I credit you as a co-founder,
0: Bennett. I appreciate that. Yeah. So.
1: We got to have your, uh, your cohort on one of these days. I think that'd be great.
0: Maybe on the Actually, fifth year anniversary. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe in seven years. So, yes. You know, we'll, we'll see. Oh, he—he so, uh, he unfortunately just because of the fact that he still has a real job, um, it's harder to grab him for time for stuff. Sure. Um, and so the other thing, and he, he will tell you himself if he gets on because he'll be like, "I'll go on, but it'll be for like three minutes because he does the vendor hall while I do all the content." And so he's like what am I supposed to do? Be like, yeah, I'm getting vendors for the show. (laughs) And, um, the, the the kind of joke, but it's also true between us is that, uh, he makes all the money and I spend all the money. So he's the one that like runs our ticketing system on the back end and stuff like that. And, uh,
1: let's give him a little shout out anyway. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, Gary Heil, he's amazing. And, uh, it's like literally the show couldn't work without him. But it's kind of funny because uh, just like you said, everybody kind of knows the show is my thing because when you talk with or you're curious about anything that's happening at the show, you tend to go, well, what's the fun stuff that's happening at the show? And you don't just go, hey, can you tell me how you sell tickets? (laughs) And so like Gary could do a really good job explaining how our ticket system set up and like how he coded that in there. And stuff like that, but when it comes to the stuff that people really want to hear about, both him and I are like, yeah, it's what I have to do, because otherwise he can tell you, we're going to have vendors, and it's going to be really exciting. But I can only be like, yeah, we're going to... No, uh, I'm sorry, That, but he can only do that up until that point, whereas I can tell you about actual functional things that people are more <laughs> generally excited to do at the show than just see the vendors.
1: Sure. So that brings us up to our first segment. Which is not the news. Oh, boy, I had you go in there, didn't I? It is okay. what you've been working on. Brian, why would you kick us off?
3: Well, let's see. The last week we've had a little bit of fun in the shop. I actually got in there one night after work and decided to build a little mini uh, test rig. Pulled out one of these old Gombus monitors I had and uh, built a little kind of super gun setup with some USB decoders so I can now test out different uh, boards, raster boards, uh, on this little mini rig that's about a foot by a foot in size. Power supply and everything's on there. It's kind of fun. So got through a bunch of boards, tested them, realized how many of the boards I have are broken. That was awesome. And then uh, we finally got our Flash Pinball working, which took about two and a half months to get the uh, board working back from whence we got it. We ordered a Rotten Dog board that wasn't working, had to have it repaired, sent it back. They did a great job of fixing it. Works great, but it took a little bit of time to get it. So that's what's going on in my world. Sweet. Mark,
1: what about you? What have you been
2: doing? Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's see. I bought an AR3 board uh, and a get-well kit because apparently this AR3 board is missing transistors, which explains the holes in it. I bought that for my marble madness, which I'm still in the midst of restoring. And I also have my Warlords restore that's happening. I got some potentiometers and some uh, some knobs. We we actually had a discussion about these knobs. They're like twenty-five dollars each. They're magnificent. Uh, but um, a little pricey, but you know, we got all that put together. That game actually is really close. It just needs a harness and the actual PCB. So that's kind of super fun. Uh, last night, I bought an American Technos WWF Superstars wrestling game. Oh, it's tight. Yes. <laughs> and. Yeah, I got it for $200, and uh, eventually when I open up my arcade space, this guy gets to hang out with me for one night because he gave me a good deal. And so I guess I got to get on that. I'm not sure. Uh, what else did I do? I, I bought a $100 uh, touchscreen game, and oh, cool. what uh, it turned of- out to be—it's um, the 2006— what kind? I did not know there were many kinds. You know the one you know that sits on top of the bar. Sure. You, yeah. you touch it, and then you know you start to play like a. You, sh- you show your mom how to play like one of the games, and then it turns out there's a naked lady underneath uh, the game you're playing, and then uh, that's a big surprise. So that, then, that's one of the JVLs.
1: It's probably just like mine. Does it have two buttons and a dial in the middle? Um. It, I don't think it has any uh, buttons. So it's I have just a, all touchscreen. I have a JVL Vortex. It has buttons and a touchscreen. Interesting. It has naughty games you can turn on. Mega Touch makes a ton of different models. So, yeah, 2006. Interesting. Yeah, check it
2: out, I would love to, like, you know, share Mega Touch stories with you, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, my yeah, MegaTouch is sitting my, in the garage right now. Yeah. Speaking of garages. On top of my beer fridge. Should I go Perfectly like fits there. What'd you say? Sorry. Speaking of garages, should I go now? Are you going to go to your garage? No, I was going to go next. Uh, let's see. What else do I have left? Oh, I'm throwing in the towel on my 4900 chassis, and I'm going to send that to this guy who runs Paradise Ooh. Arcade Shop. He apparently has <laughs> repair expertise, so I'm going to see what that's like.
3: It's uh, it's it's not my expertise. we got a guy in the shop now, Tom, who's been doing monitors for about 35 years, and the stuff he fixes is just unbelievable. So, Sweet. He's got, I'm lucky to have him because I have my, a bunch 6, of my 100. stuff. But love it. So, we're about to launch a new service doing that, but we'll talk about that some other time.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, mine is super brief. Um, I, I've been derailed this week for arcade stuff. I did post, uh, many of you probably saw, I gave a tour of my. Arcade in the basement. We were going to show that on the air, but we couldn't find a way to make it to display in a way that would be quality. And since we've been having such, you know, good luck with the show starting on time and such, I I just didn't want to do that. So I did post it out on the the Facebook page, if you want to look at it. I have been trying to be a little more active on the Facebook page, um, doing some trivia, you know, guess what video game this is, that kind of thing. So that's been kind of fun. Uh I do have. Uh, I did have to move my journey cabinet this week.
4: Oh, because, what's the condition? Uh,
1: well, the condition is that there's nine inches of new snow, and I had to get the snow blower out.
2: <laughs> oh my god! It's not outside, is it?
1: No, no, it's in the garage. I just had to move it to a different part. Literally, there's like three feet of snow. Uh, stacked up around the, the driveway now. It's, and we're getting another four to six in the next two days, which is just fantastic. I do want to give a little shout-out to a new listener, Pagemaster. Uh, his birthday was uh, on Valentine's Day, so happy birthday, Pagemaster.
2: All right, Pagemaster. That's great. And, uh, what birthday did uh, you know?
5: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, and this one's a long-distance birthday dedication. So, uh... <laughs> Dan, what you've
1: been working on, uh, recently.
0: And in my, uh, mythical spare time, yes. when I'm not doing NBC stuff, I actually am a pinball tech. So earlier today, I, uh, touched
4: up rotated rubbers on 14 machines. Wow. And, uh, included fixing both an Adams family and
0: attack the Mars that had some issues.
1: So when you rotate rubbers, you just like move the rubber a little bit. So it has more grip. Uh, You don't actually change them out. Right.
0: Yeah. The, so the games that I uh, do get a lot of play, Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, the, the place that they're at is currently not a show sponsor. So I, and I don't, actually work for them. I work for the guy that owns the pinball machines, sure. so I don't want to publicize them? them, I guess, right. because no I don't even know what to say, because I'm I'm never there when they're open, sure. but I have, <laughs> I have a key, and I get to go in and do that, and so it's rotating the flipper rubbers a little bit because they start to tear at the edges. Sure. Really, like, in a month, I'll go through four to six sets of flipper rubbers if we mm-hmm. don't do them. And even if I am rotating them, usually so, I'll have to replace one or two. It's months.
1: a popular place, uh, needless to say, then. So yeah. uh, um, do's and don'ts uh, for, for those rubbers. You don't want to put any rubbing alcohol on them, right? You don't want to clean them with rubber, rubbing alcohol? Or is that okay?
0: Uh, we actually do it with rubbing alcohol, and I have not seen... When I started, I was under the impression that rubbing alcohol is kind of to be avoided with it. And I was told, like, oh, no, like it's fine. And I have not seen any wear issues because of it. And it's actually made me adopt it in my own collection. Yeah,
1: and I imagine like really, uh, if that's going to dry out the rubber that bad, you've got bad rubber. And, uh, and, it, and by the time you rotate them enough and clean them up enough, you need to put, uh, you need to put some new rubbers on.
0: Yeah. The, the thing about, so I don't clean the rubbers on the games that are not flipper rubbers with rubbing alcohol. And we use the super bands on the games that I uh, use the rubbing alcohol on. And so I don't know if that's part of it too, but none of the super bands last. I mean, none of the flipper rubbers on our games period last long enough to none of them are going to last for six months because the games just get played too much, which is great. It's great to see pinball out and loved that much. But um, I guess, like, I, I my games have all older rubbers on them, um, older flipper rubbers, the not-super-band ones. And they the rubbing alcohol definitely doesn't clean the standard rubbers as much. And quite frankly, I'm now leaning towards the probably at the show, I will see if someone's got super-bands that I can replace all that I've got with super-bands afterwards. Because they're not... At first, I didn't like them. I kind of liked the steel if that makes sense of the original rubbers and yeah. now
1: I've kind of been sold on them because they just they, they hold up much better. Yeah I've got super bands on my xenon and um they're a little harder to get on the uh, flipper if you ask me, but once they're on yeah. uh they work really well. And they and they don't
0: work i make my hands bleed regularly when i do that i got myself today on one of them actually as i rotated it so
1: amazing how tough those things are uh but well worth well worth the effort um so i think uh we're going to move on to the the next segment which is of course uh, the arcade news with
4: brian Armitage.
3: And what a riveting news segment we have today <laughs> uh, There was a new Tapper high score set uh, So, Will Snowflake Rosa Once uh, held the world record In uh, the yes, 1983 game Lauren Fetterstone Holds the current high score of 14 million Until Rosa's score uh, Rosa took over at 14,826 What was interesting About this, uh, I didn't see The clip, but uh, our, our own Host here, Time Runner Shields Was uh, giving an account of of this and how his wife was basically heckling him through the uh, broadcast and at one point the handle broke off the machine and he kind of called it quits at that point so uh, said he felt he could keep going kind of an interesting high record or high score set another thing I uh, looked up this week just for uh, giggles was you know there's so there's multiple high score uh, boards now and I just looked to see what the latest was on arcade and 2.9 million by Peter Hahn at Galloping Ghost on Alien vs. Predator which is interesting because that puts him third on the Twin Galaxies high score, uh, but the, the high score there was not set. I uh, was set in 2018, so a lot of high scores going on. Now, another thing that was going on in the last month, it was uh, Get Your Kids Stuck in a Crane Machine Month. Yeah. So the guy in New Hampshire who is a school teacher, a school teacher who got his six-year-old to climb into a crane machine and start handing him prizes, was. Uh, Finally, sentenced one thousand uh, dollars, two years of suspended sentence, ninety days of in a house of corrections. I don't know what a house of corrections is, but it sounded interesting. And he has How to really go no to work
1: counseling.
3: <laughs> he has to go to counseling and stay out of the Salem Mall for two years. And. W- while Just, the sentencing was going on, there was a two-year-old in Alabama doing a repeat performance and got stuck in a claw machine at Rotolo's Pizzeria.
1: This thing happens a lot. I posted a, a while back on the Arcade Radio Facebook page a compilation set of photos of kids getting trapped in there. It's the funniest thing. They're usually standing in there with their lip out. Like, they knew they shouldn't have gone in, but they did. Uh, it's odd that a dad would send their kid into the machine.
3: Um, we'll so the one that the dad sent his kid into is one of these ones with, like, a Switch and, like, high-end games. So he was handing him, like, you know, 200 to $500 systems out of this machine.
5: Yeah, well,
1: he deserves what he gets.
3: He's going to hell! <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's funny because, like, this, honestly, this was a teacher. <laughs> He's going to hell! Whoops! <laughs>
2: In, in, in other you news. Know, he was teaching. I'm sorry, go ahead. I, well, you know,
1: I do have to say, teachers don't make great money, so.
2: Got a uh, supplement.
3: Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about his article is they said this teacher was actually paid $85,000 a year. Well, oh.
1: he could afford a Switch then. He could probably afford a Switch.
3: All right. I mean, I don't know. So it puts the value on, on uh, anyways. So, uh, in other news, a mint condition Super Mario Brothers cartridge from 1985 sold for $140,000. Kind of. The this is the highest or most expensive uh, cartridge to ever sell. What made this one special was it was uh, coveted from a test market launch for the NES uh, that was uh, launched in New York City and Los Angeles. There's very few of these out there. And uh, prior to this, uh, I believe the record was 100,000. Uh, oh, yep. sorry. It was forty-two thousand in a shrink-wrapped copy of Super Mario Brothers in
0: two thousand seventeen. Hmm. So this is I, that one. I know a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah
1: I was going to ask you about is,
0: that. That is the
1: only. Oh, oh. I can't, I can't. <laughs> We're losing Dan. roboting. I think he says that's the oh And he just told only. Him. He's definitely it's saying only. Only. Oh. Uh, Oh, oh,
2: oh. Ow. He's
1: showing us his old face.
2: His old face. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he's he's uh, definitely locked up on us. I think he was about to tell us it's the only existence of that cartridge, period, and that, uh, in its form. And I think it's true because there, and you can look this up online and Dan can confirm this when he gets back. But um, there's different stick, there's different uh, packaging. There you go. Go ahead, Dan. And and there's my back. You're back. Yeah. I think, oh. I think you just need to okay. hold your hand on top of your Maybe phone. Going my so you, right now.
0: You, um, yeah. Go ahead. It was the only test market version of that game that's ever been known to uh, be sealed still.
1: Yeah, and wow. it's a and it was a group of collectors that bought it, not just one. Right.
0: Right. So and so the the rarity of that and the test market part of it is what in large part drove the price of it. And it's also obviously perhaps the most iconic game. um, I'd agree with that. Because of that. And so like on one hand, yeah, it's a game that you can get a million other times, but if you want the, the creme de la creme of that game, this is the only chance that you have. Sure. Uh,
1: There's a story I've told on the the air a few times, uh, maybe, uh, maybe alluded to it, but I will briefly give you a history. Uh, Nintendo intended to uh, market their hardware through the U.S. through Atari. Uh, That was held up in negotiations, and Atari stalled as they tried to get their 7,800 hardware off the ground. Uh, And Nintendo got tired of waiting around for Atari, essentially, and in 1985 introduced uh, the Nintendo to north america so uh and at the time jack Tremell had just come out of commodore maybe a year or two later bought atari because he wanted uh, atari home division because he wanted to invest in something new and he shelved the 7800 prize project in 84 uh because he believed computers were the way in late 84 and uh and then when nintendo came to market Uh, In late 85, uh, Atari said, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And so six months later, they launched the 7800 in 1986. But by then, their launch titles were two or three years old. So, And the hardware was vastly inferior to the Nintendo as far as how they utilized it and what the Nintendo was able to do. And Super Mario Bros. was just, I mean... It, it was unbelievable I can't I, I must have played I put in so many hours on that game and I still do the turtle trick and get multiple lives and you know where all the warp zones are and I just I love that game so it's kind of an interesting story I was I was actually very skeptical when I saw the price tag on that but uh, there's a couple of websites out there that will tell you why it's worth it. what it is uh, and and it has all, everything to do with the little sealed sticker and uh, and how they identified it. And WADA, I guess, was the company that uh, verified it and it went for action. So that's just a really cool story. Um, you wanna do you want to do one Now that I've uh, <laughs> derailed everybody, go ahead and uh, get down with and, your badge. Well, uh, can I just link something real quick here? Sure. Uh, WADA is coming
0: to our show, and um, I will just say... Keep watching our site if you're into Nintendo stuff because we're going to be making quite an announcement teamed up with them about something Nintendo-related sometimes. Oh, very cool.
3: Awesome. Awesome.
0: In the final news for today
3: In the the news segment We'll have a lot more news about the uh, MGC coming up soon But in the final uh, news of the news segment Super Impulse is uh, releasing a new set of card-sized arcade emulators uh, Coming this fall They've been known for doing uh, tiny arcade cabinets with arcade classics But they're going to release these almost credit card-sized games For about $20 to $25 With titles like Tetris, Missile Command, Centipede, Pac-Man, and Pong you know, this is kind of a throwback to those old little LCD things that I think most of us used to play with at some point. Except these games look a lot more sophisticated than the ones I had growing up.
1: Sweet, we do have one uh, other <laughs> uh, news item. That if you did, if you happen to catch Care Eleven last week, uh, apparently Brian. Myself, Steve Murky, and a couple others were. Uh, Randy Gelking were on uh, Care Eleven. Our, our our arcades were featured in a in a segment about people that have these games in their basement. Um, if anybody has a link to that segment, I'd love to see it because I, I I didn't see it, but uh, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Randy pointed that out. Thank you, sir. Uh, and I think that brings us right up to.
0: Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pink skin a mile. Back, back to, to the, the cave, cave. with Time with. Runner. Why are things so heavy in
3: the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull?
2: You know, I wish I could do this segment as Uncle Rico the whole time. <laughs> back in 82, back in 84, there were technology news. <laughs> It's funny because you already brought up Atari 7800, and my technology news was that Atari announced the 7800, a next-gen console compatible with 2,600 cartridges, and then shelved it until 86. (laughs) Well, there you go.
1: Sorry to hijack the news. Hijacked!
2: Hijacked! Hijacked! (laughs) <laughs> yes, um, it, but what's funny about that? I never wanted to buy one. Anybody in this uh, chat uh, own a uh, seventy? Was it seventy seventy 7, eight hundred? 7, I don't know why I have trouble. I, I
1: think no, because for me, oh. f- for me, uh, so I, didn't nice even, I didn't even have an Atari twenty six hundred. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, I had to really? really? go to the neighbor's house, and then the uh, one of my other neighbors had a ColecoVision, Vision, which I liked better. But
0: right, I didn't own mine back in the day. But I know someone that did, and uh, I really wanted one back in the day. But like, I mean, the the quick story is that my dad, when I was very young, we got a 2600 because he loved Space Invaders, and it was cheap, and so we got that. And then the Nintendo came out, and I was like, "That's what I need." (laughs) And my dad was like, "You have a 2600? What's your problem?" (laughs) It's the exact same thing, and I was like, "No, it's not, Dad. Like, how can I show this to you?" And he wouldn't believe me the positive that came out of that is that he would take me from Roman sale to Roman sale looking for games. So I got like this kind of collector mentality, to myself very early on, sure. and uh, I actually still have all the games that I found back then, and I really enjoyed the twenty six hundred. And then I kind of always stayed a generation behind.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And the positive about that is it's super cheap to get into the sure. uh, previous generation. It
1: was really interesting. I got my first uh, Nintendo probably in nineteen eighty nine, only four years out of, but it was at a garage sale. So somebody was already done with it four years later, which I thought was really interesting because I didn't pay much for it, maybe twenty bucks. You know? Wow. Yeah.
0: My first one, I would say was probably around the same time, maybe a little bit later even. And it was at a card show and I had been saving my money forever. And my dad was super angry that he took me to the card show and that I had enough money for it, but I bought it and, uh, it came, it was like a Nintendo with five games and two controllers. And
1: I think it was like 40 bucks. And I, I still have it to this day. Nice. That's great. I love that. Uh, I, if anybody is interested, what's the, what's the one called? It's uh, Is it the AVG? Is that the the new Nintendo FPGA version? Uh, I, I have it. I should know what it's called. I think it's called the AVG. I can't remember. Anyway, it's,
0: it's a few different ones.
1: Yeah, but the, this one's FPGA, so it actually uh, emulates the hardware at the hardware level instead of having the emulator built in and... Timings are usually off and such, but anyway, I have that and I have a multi-cart, so I don't. I still have my uh, toaster version and an action set and all that, but I. I play the AVG all the time. I love it.
2: It's so. funny that that reminds me. You know, last year we talked about the Atari VCS that had the Kickstarter that raised three million dollars last year. Where is I that thing?
1: I. You know what? On the seventy-eight hundred thing. Um,
2: there's That's not that. the question I'm answering. What do so, you hold on? What do
1: you what do yeah. No go, anyway, I don't want to derail you. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just gonna mention Kurt Vendel. Ten years ago he announced okay. the Atari 7800 XM, uh, and it is uh still in development. And which uh, I purchased ten years ago. Is that
2: oh oh ten years ago? Yeah. So you, so you're but did you go into this VCS thing? But you I, did, did you?
5: You put some money in there, didn't you? And the VCS? No, I didn't. Yeah.
2: No. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, well, that's good. All All right. I will
3: I will say for people who like the uh, NES and SNES, we're so talking about the FPJ, MISTER, actually, which is open source, has both of those console cores available. So you can play that on that system with a DE10 Nano. Sweet.
1: Yeah, the sad thing about p- people inventing hardware for an old platform like that and taking forever to bring it to market is that over a 10-year period, a lot of people that invested in it are now dead because... Um, you know, we're old, and a lot of people are older than us who like that stuff. So it's a, it's kind of unfortunate. Uh, I'm kind of hoping he gets it to market. Uh, he's sort of a, an authority on Atari history, and he's written some books. He's got some websites. So I'm hoping it comes out, and I'm hoping I get my copy someday before I'm dead. So tell us what was on in the box office and on TV. Uh,
2: well, sorry, I have to like continue this whole thread of the NES that we're talking oh, about. Oh, okay, well, go ahead. John go ahead. John Jacobson, also uh, known as uh, Black Dog Seven uh, from John's Arcade, he is actually coding an NES game called Ball Patrol. Interesting. Yes, his alpha build is actually available for testing. So if you want to check it out, I do. He a, yeah, he has a link to it on uh, his Twitter feed, blkdog7 check it out it is amazing it's, really it's hilarious yeah I mean it's not uh this it like rocket science is it like I think uh, you're a ball
1: is it like Penn and Teller's drive the bus for 20 hours across the country fun
2: no, it's I mean you're, it's like there's a maze there's a maze that you get to go through and I think there's some spikes and stuff nice yeah it's like a Marvel okay.
1: madness knockoff mm-hmm.
2: I mean, uh, well, I mean, more like an Indiana Jones oh, okay. System 1 type thing, you know, except Same. there's no kids to whip. Wait, you're not supposed to whip oh. the kids, right? No, 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 of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you oh, know. Have yeah. you tried it? I don't think you should. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, February 21st, 1984, by the way, that's the date that we're on. The box office, Footloose, was number one at the box office, which is about some minister that doesn't like kids. <laughs>
1: Awesome soundtrack, though, man. It's like Sammy Hagar, Kenny Loggins, you know, this was probably his first, no, Caddyshack. And then Caddyshack, too.
2: Caddyshack. What's funny is that um, I remember watching Caddyshack on VHS, and the song that was popular in Caddyshack, which is escaping me right now, but we thought our VHS I'm tape all right. was messed up. Yeah. You know how I'm, I'm All Right has that kind it of... It has a glitch. It, yeah. That, that crazy yeah. Like portion in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah okay. we thought our VHS tape was broken.
1: I wonder if I can find that. I, it's, it's, uh... Here we go. It's, uh...
2: Oh, I'm giving
4: plenty.
2: Yeah, so it's later, right? Yeah, somewhere in the middle
0: during the dreamy. mm.
1: Here it is, right here. It's coming up.
2: (laughs) How's that? Did I do that? Yeah, that's I don't know why in the '80s I thought it was wrong. Anyway, uh, five degrees of Kevin Bacon. Is anybody? Six. Any, is six. it six? Six oh degrees. My, my notes are wrong. No yeah. okay. wonder if it was so easy to play. <laughs> six degrees of separation. Kevin, Kevin I, I thought Brian was going to bring something up with that. Three, three degrees. Brian says so it's my, three degrees. My, my ex-wife yes. called
3: the city planner for Philadelphia, city you know a little bit about, Mark, who yes. is Ed Bacon. Kevin Bacon's father. Oh. oh. And so for the during the 80s Ed Bacon was the city planner for Philadelphia and was responsible for the buildings being limited below the height of uh, City Hall. That's
5: so and weird then that
3: because got let loose.
5: Ed Bacon is my uncle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's very weird.
3: Uh, so, so, anyways, 2 degrees for me. I think 3 degrees. <laughs>
1: Was there anything on TV? Because I'd really like to know.
2: On TV, the A-Team episode, Harder Than It Looks, aired for the first time ever... Of course. (laughs) Action nerds everywhere rejoiced as the A team decided that rescuing a kidnapped victim would be a piece of
0: cake. These men promptly escaped from security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A team.
2: <laughs> nice. That's wow. Awesome. I go out <laughs> and
0: return the of That's awesome.
2: I love that. Um, I love so let's AD see. TV. They said was a piece of cake, except that when the ransom money is left behind, the victim insists on having one of the kidnappers rescued as well. What a crazy twist. Uh, does anybody here have a favorite a team episode?
1: Oh man. Every episode that they knock out
2: BA to make him fly. In a helicopter? (laughs) Typically, right. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I feel like they did that every episode. They did that almost every episode. It's pretty much everyone.
1: Yeah, I can't remember specific episodes because they're so formulaic. You know, it's like, well, we go to this small town, somebody's under oppression, we need to take all the materials in this barn and make a catapult. I will okay. kick the bad guys' asses. Jeeps flip. Helicopters fly by. B.A. gets mad. Twins to kill Murdoch. Everybody wins.
2: <laughs> and it's wonderful.
1: It is. A it awesome is wonderful right now. They're so good. They're
4: so
2: good. <laughs> my and now my new question, Stephen J. Canel. What's what's, what's, in, what's in the gym? Oh. What's up? Right now. Hello. Welcome to
4: What's in the gym? <laughs>
2: Wow. Ha, ha. that was that <laughs> Hello, was and what's in the juke?
1: <laughs> you know what? Actually, I recorded a new bumper for that, but I'm not going to play it tonight. We'll play it next show. Ah. Yeah, it's way boring. It just says, what's in the juke,
2: man? That's it. Oh, bummer. Yeah. What's in the juke? Well, I guess let's just uh, the game it? where our online listeners and Dan Lusin uh, get to figure out what uh, song we're playing. And uh, your prize is a pat on the back and a hearty hi-ho.
4: Oh. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Mr. Peabody, welcome to the show. AVS, by the way. It's not the AVG. AVG is uh, like a graphics chip. AVS is the Nintendo
0: FPGA. Okay. Uh, it's a Nintendo game. I know those for music. Nice. Yeah. It's right. a real song. Proud all right, here we go.
1: This is uh, uh, we're go- we're gonna play a clip, and uh, and we'll, and Mark, you're gonna you're gonna tally it up, see how they do. Steve Murky, welcome to the show, man. Okay, here we go. Think that's enough? Not for me. Man, that that's a tough one. I, I played that and I thought this was a hit? But, okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll play a little bit more. Now you gotta know who it is. Brick oh. Springfield, Casey, pulls out the first half point. Right? Yes. That's him. Huh? Yep. And the song? The song is... Where is my oh here we go?
2: Excuse me, I've got some hiccups going on here. Yeah. Oh here yeah, here we go.
1: So uh tip through through the tulips not correct. I've done oh everything for you. Well, no. No, none of these are correct. I think we'll play a little bit more and then we're gonna ditch this song. And that's one of these songs. It's one of the problems when you have these songs.
5: Trouble, it'll be right. I'm hard. I
4: don't know why I'm
1: like not it. It's a good song. I love it. I, I like the Rick Springfield. I always thought he was Canadian. Turns out he's from Australia. Oops. <laughs> Blimey.
2: I no wait, no that, that, wait, that's, that's, that's England.
1: Working it? class dog is the album. That's correct. That is the album. The song is "Love Is All Right Tonight," and Casey is leading the crowd with half point. a half point. Ah, oh, nice. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so the next, the next one. Jeez, this guy just half loves point. to play clips. All right, here we go. Oh, they're fighting. <laughs> I just sort of gave it away there. I think. How? It's, it's the name of the song.
2: <laughs> oh, I didn't hear them say
1: anything. <laughs> Randy,
2: uh, vanilla Ice.
1: Randy, Randy says, Was it "Casey got it dancing in the sheets." Now, can he get the other half of it? Here we go. Dancing in the sheets for a half, half point. point. Can he get the other half for a Full point? I don't know. We'll see. Is he going to fight it out? Should I play a little more and see if anyone else can get it? Shalimar. Holy moly, Randy gets on the board. Randy's nice. on the board with a half point. And Casey's on the board with a half point. Half point. All right? So, next track. Sweets. This one's going to be really quick. <laughs> that's that's all I'm giving cowbell. These <laughs> poor cowbell. I should rewind that. And do that again. I think it was good. Here you go. <laughs> Lover boy. God dang that guy is good. Half yeah, point. And he gets the full, full point. point. For both the song and the artist, Working for the Weekend by Loverboy. Mr. Peabody, you were really quick. You were close, but not close enough. So close. Yeah. (laughs) Randy says, I'll do the ones we get stuck on. All right, here's the next one. (laughs) I don't know. That's all you need. Man. This might be the my favorite band of the eighties. I, I, I don't know. I like the Cars. I like Journey. But these guys, man, they, they were you know, privatized Eyes, Hall and Oates, Casey. God Old dang it! point. Get the horn. I know, right? Full point for Casey. So Ralph we gotta put Casey on a delay. We should. Okay. alright We're <laughs> gonna read. <mean? laughs> I got an idea. Okay. Here comes the next one. Okay. Here we go.
0: I recognize that song. But that's as far as I go.
1: <laughs> Let's see here. Um I'm looking in the chat. I don't see anybody posting anything.
0: Um
1: Wow. It's this is taking people a little bit. I'll play a little more. I, I don't see. Do you guys see anything in the chat? I don't see. Uh, any. I don't know. Somebody else has got to be like Casey. <laughs> I'm surprised he's not in here already. Like you would have. Oh, come on. I mean, seriously, throw me a bone here. Somebody else answered besides Casey. <laughs> I'm looking at the chat and all I see is Casey, 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 and Time Runner. You can't answer Time Runner. <laughs>
2: I, I'm not, I just want more power inside of the chat Aaron, yeah. Aaron,
1: Aaron says, Casey's like Rain Man for 80's music So uh, that was uh, correct, Casey uh, Every little thing she does is magic And uh, that was from uh, Ghost in the Machine And it was by the police So What a coincidence Full okay, point a Full point for that And the next song is, uh, here we go that's it. I'm not giving you any more, Casey. You, you shut your mouth when I'm talking to you. Dolly
2: does. Dolly's probably pro- in proximities. The, the- well, Ra-
1: Randy has this theory that she's there helping him the whole time,
2: which may be true. I, I don't know, but he. I'm okay. Do it again. That's it. What the? Let's the- make this next one worth five points. Okay, the next
1: one's worth five points. Maybe we should play the other version. That was so shaken up by the cars. Well, get that one, Casey. Yep. <laughs> if he gets his... I say we just don't do the, the next three songs. <laughs> don't finish. <laughs> right. There's no... <laughs> Aaron says he's seen Casey's answer literally when the music comes on. And he said, FML, which I think means farm my life. Oh, my gosh.
2: <laughs> He got it. He was is, like it's like he was spitballing it and throwing everything up at the right. wall. That cannot be real. Then the, the he, next ones worth 10 points. He's
4: got che- to be cheating. He's got to be cheating.
1: Wow. There was two drum beats. Listen to this. <laughs> that cannot be real. How could he get that? <laughs> My god. Well, uh, Randy, uh, Go-Go's, yes, they, this may have been 1983, but it was it was on the charts in '84. So uh, th- this was off their second album, I think,
3: right? That that must have tripped Randy up. Vacation. He had it, but he was confused with the 83-84 thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know. All right, next one. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I mean, ser- like, let's just ask Dan. Dan, you get 10 points if you can answer this right now. <laughs> oh, I dude. I not the song.
0: I'm terrible at this stuff.
1: Dude, Aaron got uh, it. Aaron got centerfold.
0: Okay, yep, yeah, okay. I think if you had given me 10 minutes, I could have gotten there, but <laughs> that would have been a lot of dead air.
1: Aaron gets a half, half point. point. He's on the board. Casey followed it up with the band. Gets a half point for J.D. <laughs> Giles' centerfold.
2: Okay, all right. Wait, oh. no, wait. That, that was... That was uh, five points. So that that means Aaron got five points and Casey got five points.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Shoot, this one's worth
1: twenty. Okay, <laughs> this next one's worth twenty.
2: Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> this is this is not even fair.
4: That's
1: an arcade game. I can do that. Oh my god! Harden my you got heart. Got it, Steve. Dude, you are in there. You gotta, you gotta challenge Casey next time. You were so close to kicking his ass. No offense, Casey.
2: So th- I guess this next one has to be worth forty points.
1: <laughs> so that was Centerfold by Jake Giles Band, wasn't it? No, that, that was, was, was hard, in my heart. hard My Heart by Quarterflash. Yeah, sorry. Right, right. Because right, it's right there on the chat. Okay, this is the last song. Right? 40 points. 40 50. points. 50. Dan says 50. Guesses 50. Yes. All right, good. Yep. Here. Okay. Here we go.
2: There you oh, go. Nice. <laughs> 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 that's that's going to be tough.
4: Honnold!
1: <laughs>
5: oh, old oh Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God dang it!
4: Half point.
5: For sh- he got the song
1: oh, too.
4: Full point. For Casey <laughs> Ralmar
1: just freaking wiping the walls with everybody as usual. We're gonna have to come up oh, with new segments. segments, right? I think. I think we might have to do this live. Uh, we'll have like a. Uh, qualification round, and then we got to bring two of the users, and we'll do this for one of the episodes. I think it should be fun. We'll bring two users on, and we'll pit them against each other live on the show. So there's no delay. There's there's absolutely no way that somebody's getting an advantage because of their better broadband. And uh, <laughs> and we'll do, what do you guys think?
2: I think that's great. Um, okay. Hey, I just actually sent you. Dolly sent me a video of Casey playing. To show what he what happens when he plays. So maybe we'll we'll bring that up in the next show or something when we throw that on the Facebook. Man, well that's more than Billy Mitchell has to defend his score. I mean
1: <laughs> Oh, did I say that out loud? Wow.
2: Casey's <laughs> like like in like sweat like you know, the gear that you go to the gym in and he's like hunched over and just <laughs> you know, like I was like, What is happening? This is amazing what I love is how there's like the strategy of getting either the name of the
3: band or the name of the song out first so that you at least get
2: half the point. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then right, you get right, the right. other one. So nobody yeah. types the whole thing anymore. Right. So the results are Casey has 85 points. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron that's, had five. And I think, Randall in the third place. <laughs> I, think, half, I think he half set the point. high
1: score on this shit tonight. I is like, this really good. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Whoa. Well, wow, that's, that's just nuts. I, I, I'm a little disappointed, you know, I, I don't want to have, you know. it's, it's kind of nice when Casey takes a break from the show, um, but we love to have you on and you're an awesome competitor and you're really good at answering those songs. So uh, identifying those songs. So it's, it's awesome to have you on board and I hope everybody has fun playing that segment. That brings us to our next segment. Wait a minute. We don't have a voicemail today, do we? Okay. All right, we're we'll just we're just going out here. Christ, that's loud. That means that the guest is on. Welcome to the show again, Mr. Dan Lucan.
4: Hello.
5: <laughs>
2: Hello. Yeah. Hey. Thanks hey, for turning yeah. all those games for us. <laughs> yeah.
1: It is funny. I mean, it's good to
4: have <laughs> Okay, that's
2: another that. Uh-uh. So- I actually thought that was Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was
0: just me. I love the this show, but the show finally got me. Combo boy.
1: So Dan, uh co-founder of MGC, you've told the story. Uh, you know, Gold Store, uh the ups and downs of MGC, getting it on rails again, and now you're at the Milwaukee at the Wisconsin Center. I'm sorry. Uh. And the Wisconsin Center is a fantastic i said it brian i said it out loud it's a fantastic venue for a uh, convention such as yours uh tell me what you what it's like to be there for the second year uh in a row okay well first i'll say it's an almost fantastic venue
0: there's some things that have been difficult because for instance um they're they're the largest convention center in the state and so like as of this weekend, they are holding for 10 days straight. I think it is the Wisconsin auto show. And so every auto manufacturer is going to have cars there set up and doing their own thing. And so this center is used to a lot of really big groups coming in with, um, huge, like I'm going to come in with my, I don't have a Chevrolet, but I'm going to come in with Chevrolet and we're going to buy, you know, this much square foot and this is how it works and blah, blah. and, for us, the thing that's unique is that so much of our show is fan-driven, where it's not companies coming in, it's individual collectors and people that are going to bring in, like, a game. And so I need to bring this there. And so it was particularly interesting last year trying to work with them and explain to them, like, no, 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 there will seriously be, like, 50 people in cars picking up pinball machines. We need to be ready for that. And they were just like, you don't have that many. And it was like, no, trust me, We will. And last year, there was a lot of uh, back and forth between us and them.
1: And, so it was uh, a it was a learning experience not only for you but for uh, the people that run the venue. They they didn't, yeah. they, didn't they didn't believe that you were going to bring in the crowd that you do. How do you can you, can you right. give us an um, inkling of what you how many were there last year?
0: We okay. So last year we drew about twelve thousand people, which is actually identical to our final year of the Sheraton. Mm-hmm. The thing that's different about it is that we drew 12,000 people last year Based on uh, nine thousand on Saturday and only three thousand on Sunday because we got hit with a giant blizzard. Which
1: I drove. And, uh, I drove back to Minnesota. A, normally a five-hour yeah. trip, it was an eight-hour trip. Steve Murky, who's in the chat, can can uh, also uh, attest to his adventure getting home. I, I I had a different job back then, so I had to go back, and it was nerve wracking. 14, 17 semis jackknifed on the ditch. Sixty cars. In the ditch or on the side of the road, just awful conditions.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, here's the positive. So, yes, last year was terrible um with the snow on Sunday, and quite frankly, it almost broke the back of the show. The we were scheduled to do more attendance than we did on Sunday by a decent amount, and the lack of Sunday attendance being decent, while Saturday was better than we expected by a little bit. The drop-off that we had on Sunday was significant enough that, um, we had to go back to places and find additional money this year before we could say yes to doing the show. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that Gary and I both felt really lucky about after the show was over is that if we had stayed at the Sheraton, the show would have ended last year because on Sunday with the snow, while we heated the tent area, the problem with that is that the the snow was collecting so much on the, would have collected so much on the roof of the tent that it would have condensed and the inside of the tent would have been raining. Sure. And we, we had a small issue with that one year in the past and it wouldn't have mattered how much heat we were pumping into the tent. It wouldn't have been able to maintain, um, I, with how, much I, remember, snow was. I remember that year. We had to close, like all the vendors would have pulled out on Sunday. We would mm-hmm. have had to close, the entire vendor hall, the game, the tabletop games would have pulled out, but that was sixty-three thousand square feet. I'm sorry, that was not sixty-three thousand square feet. That's what it is now. That was eighteen thousand square feet, which wow. back then was one third of our show floor. And because we moved and we had, you know, a ceiling, which was new to us for the vendor <laughs> hall and actual heat. Um when it snowed like that. there's still some sort of testament to the show that 3000 people came. Yeah. And like, I mean, my, my wife was literally stuck in the driveway with the kids shoveling frantically, trying to figure out how to get to the show and stuff like that. And we had, we we have enough of a base of people that really believe in the show that we still had 3000 people come. And what else was kind of amazing about that is that there was a number of people that wrote to us afterwards and said, Hey, you know, I wasn't able to make it. Is there anything you could do for us? And I wrote them back very honestly and just said, look, guys, like we unfortunately, we resized we the show based on how many tickets we pre-sell. And because of how bad Sunday was, we're really in a bind here. And every single person like we we were trying to offer some people just like something. And so we were like, you know, maybe we can give you a little bit of merchandise next year or something. And everybody, once they heard our reasoning, was like, no, no, no you're right. Please keep it. I want the show to continue. And like that it, I'm now full time on the show, which is something that's new to. Mm-hmm. And
4: the reason that I do it isn't because of the money, because I was actually a teacher
0: before, not one that sends my kids in claw machines, but um, <laughs> it wasn't like I was making tons of money doing that. Um, and I'm actually making a little bit less now running the show, but I enjoy sometimes doing the show. And last year was a seriously trying year. Um, I'm not, I'm, I'm not someone that just glosses over things. And so last year there was a number of behind the scenes and growing pain things that did happen and made it very difficult. And part of the difficulty was that every year until last year, I was expecting to spend eight to 10 hours a week doing the show. And last year I was spending 50 to 60 hours a week doing the, doing the show. And um, we had a, Planned On paying me to do the show So at some point When you're making $300 a month And working 60 hours a week You feel really stupid about that And so we, uh, we, put, we Kind of put things together at the end of the show And figured out a way to make me So that we could actually continue to do this And we do this quite frankly Because the passion Of the community and coming out And bringing all the games and stuff like that Is is what makes it fun um uh, yeah, if it that. wasn't I I've long said that I could have made a hell of a lot more money uh working at McDonald's part-time in my mythical spare time than running the show, but it's something special.
1: All right, I gotta say, uh chatters, if you've been to the show and you have questions, uh go ahead and open it up. Uh I think one of the question one of the comments I have is I actually love where you are now at the Wisconsin Center because first of all, you got three hotels um, and none of them are terribly crowded. Uh, I think Spring Hill might be sold out already, is that correct?
0: The Spring Hill is weird. Okay. Um, I tend to be honest when I'm doing this, so I'm just going to explain this. I have written them and said that their rooms are sold out. They have written me back and said, oh, we just opened up more blocks. That's weird. I have gone and I have tried. None of it ever works. And so I'm kind of like, hmm. And so, like at one point, to me, it's basically like this: is that I, we have both
1: the Hyatt and the Hilton, and they're both awesome too. Sure. And so is Spring Hill. The only reason I, I go to Spring Hill myself is because I'm a Marriott guy. So mm-hmm. it's all yeah it's, of the three so that's, that's the one to go do.
0: <laughs> and I'm I'm happy with anybody going anywhere because the more it, there's this fascinating thing in the city of Milwaukee. The way that the Wisconsin Center works is that once we get to a total room night soul of I think it's. I think it's a 1,000. Once that happens, we get, like, dibs on the Wisconsin Center cool. for the future. And so we're, we're getting pretty close to that. Last year, I believe that we sold around 850 rooms overall, room nights overall. And so the city was actually super surprised by that, and they came back to us, and they were like, oh my gosh, we had no idea. Um, part of that is that Gary and I are usually ultra-conservative when it comes to budgeting for, like, guarantees to hotels and stuff like that. So I think Gary and I uh, guaranteed the hotels a grand total between all three of them last year, of 300 rooms. And then when you deliver 850, they think that you're a God, Um, (laughs) but it's far smarter than saying, well, we'll get 900 and delivering 850 and having them all go, well, what's
4: wrong with you? So So we, we did that. And if we can meet
0: that in the future, it allows us to actually go in and claim dates earlier.
4: Right now we're in a thing where you can only claim dates, I think it's 16
0: months in advance. So we're always in this kind of waiting game and like we're just talking about the 2020 dates and we were just able to go through some of that process actually earlier today um, where if we can crack that number, As long as the show's on stable footing, I can say, I want 2023 dates today. And they'll go, okay.
4: And
1: and I got to tell you guys that this is really cool to hear this piece of the the story because this is how hard they work on the back end to make this thing and to facilitate, uh, you know, good facilities for the patrons that come, the the fans that come, and want to make this thing successful. The, you know, the vendor hall and all the events are what make this this, this thing successful. You know, and uh, and by the way, if you had a rough year last year, and Eugene's going to be there this year, Eugene Jarvis, I know he's in your corner. So you got you got a cheerleader coming coming on board this year for sure. So that's good. I'll be fun to have him there again. Uh, I do have one question. Uh, or I have one comment actually, uh, and and Steve uh, Murky and some of the other chatters might back me up on this, but being in the Wisconsin Center downtown really affords you some fantastic places. I said it again, Brian, to <laughs> hang out, uh, some fabulous places to go uh, in in Milwaukee and enjoy food. Uh, and 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 there's a there's an up-down there if you do want to you know have another set of video games to go play but there's uh, great steakhouses there's there's a couple of speakeasies uh, and it really allows you to come and go from the convention and and make it your own while still being able to enjoy Milwaukee itself which I really like and I don't know Yeah. so.
0: One. One, one thing that I'll just toss in there that was fascinating is that, and this is something we didn't expect, we went from selling on the Sunday night in particular, and we do not, uh, our hotel blocks close on, they start closing on the 7th of March, um, and I always try pushing them, so chances are they won't close on the 7th of March, but that's when they start to close, and um, we, when we had closed our blocks last year, had sold something like 60 room nights on sunday which on one hand when i had just said that you know sunday was a night that or overall we sold 850 room nights it doesn't seem like that much but compared to the previous year that our sunday room nights was like four selling 60 is like insane and mm-hmm. it shows that people are interested in seeing what's surrounding there and quite frankly like there's a eating place it's called build a breakfast build a burger that's within a block of the hilton that's like one of my family's favorite places and so we'll drive downtown park
4: there mm-hmm. go in there and eat and so like <laughs> lately when i've been going down to the wisconsin
0: center i've been like Ooh, i'm gonna walk over there and get a you know sit down and get a quick <laughs> breakfast thing or whatever while this is going on and so it gives us a lot more of those options before there was really
4: very few in Brookfield, and um I mean Milwaukee is
0: the big city and so it's nice to have the city kind of get behind us. And like they did a bunch of things too. I actually have just in the other room, uh they put up these big banners for us on all the polls downtown that have all said, you know, welcome Midwest Gaming Classic and yeah, that's cool. It was yeah, and like honestly driving down there was kinda of like Whoa were, we're, a, we're legit. Yeah, like I, <laughs> this is real. So um and like, I actually asked them if I could grab a few of them after the show. And so I have three or four of them because I was just like, that's so cool. And I can't believe that they did that. And so it's, it's definitely nice to have some of that backing. And that's not to say by the way, that Brookfield didn't do that. Brookfield um, became a very good partner with us as mm-hmm. the years went on. Um, when they first started, they were, it's they cool. wanted to talk to me, yeah. but then as basically one year the news media called up their visitors bureau and was like, you know, why aren't you at the show? And they're like, Oh, we come to that show all the time. And then they came out and at that interview, after that interview, they came to me and they were like, this is amazing. We need to help you. And then they were an outstanding partner with us in Brookfield. So I'm not, I'm not downplaying Brookfield's role, but it's exciting to be, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on in our downtown right now. There's the brand new bucks arena that is like four blocks away um, there's a trolley that they just opened up, which is, I mean, I like it. And it's free right now. So you can, if you walk two blocks from where the Hilton is, you can board the trolley and you can ride it across town. And the road well on it's kind of weird right now, but um, you can go to a couple places to see some things. And so there's there's more opportunity to actually see things around you than there was before.
1: Yeah, And I would say uh, the Brookfield, you know, when you go to some place for a number of years, which uh, I did, you know, for MGC, and I know I know some of the other people in the chat did, and and, and other listeners that will catch us in the uh, in in the coming weeks. But uh, the interesting thing is is when you get to a place like that, and and I've been to other conventions also where it really feels like home, and so like I could go to the Brookfield when the convention wasn't going on and I knew the bartenders you know I knew right. I knew the front desk and that is really cool because you can go in and be like they, like they recognize you and they're like yeah right. like I go to MGC oh yeah yeah I love Right. You know, so they, they immediately have this bond, right? And you get either free drinks or they treat you special. And there's, right. that, that, there's that bond, and you really feel like they're family. So I, while I'm very sad to have lost my family at Brookfield, uh, I'm really excited to see how things pan out in the new space. There are new no sort of uh, patterns that we're getting into as, as friends groups right. when we hang out. Uh, we did the Capital Grill last year, but I just learned at the Milwaukee Steakhouse, which I love to go to while I'm there is nine minutes from the venue like period like i can get there like right away so i'm super excited
0: so let me tell you something actually kind of funny about that the sheraton um literally while i was Mm -hmm. with meeting with the wisconsin center um we were meeting for lunch uh i guess this was a, a year ago in summer and this was before we had the show there and Every year, I would take a meeting with them, and then every year after I was done with the meeting with them, there would be something stupid. Like, one year, they were like, yes, every pinball machine that you plug in is $250, and our people need to set it up. And I was like, okay, bye, because we don't have – we've never grossed a quarter of a million dollars just for electricity. Like, that's impossible. And so we would always do the meeting and just kind of do that and then explain, like, and then say, okay, you know, we've got to go back – Now, we were very concerned with the Sheraton the previous year for a number of things, and it wasn't necessarily the venue. It was also just how many people we were getting, and the tent we knew wasn't like a long-term solution. And the city of Brookfield was building a new convention center, which they are still doing, but the convention center, which had been promised to me to be 120,000 square feet, became a 40,000 square foot convention center, which they were like, but you can split it into different rooms! And I was like... Unless if each room becomes 40,000 square feet, that doesn't help me. (laughs) And um, they, like, so we kind of knew that this was going to have to happen one way or the other. And so the fascinating thing that happened is while I was meeting with the Wisconsin center, my phone buzzed and I checked it because, and I was meeting by myself. Gary would always meet with me with the Sheraton because as he would say, he has to take off work. So he's only going to do the one that we're serious about. So that's how not serious we were about the Wisconsin center at the time. Um, I picked up my phone to see what the buzzing was and it was that the my saleswoman at the Sheraton had contacted me. And I glanced at the email and she said, hey, we've got to move our meeting for tomorrow. We've just been sold. And so there's a lot of personnel changes going on here. And I said, oh. I I looked at my phone and I hit reply. And I just said, oh, no, anybody that I know. And she was like, I don't think that it's many people that you know, um, except for, and she named a couple people that were like, hugely influential to making sure that the show ran smoothly there. And at that moment, I literally texted Gary and was like, this got a lot more real because I don't know about who we'd be going back to. So that's all one side of that. And kind of how the Wisconsin center side got more real. I mean, they also made us a considerably better offer than they ever had before. We did not pay a quarter million dollars for electricity last year because that's stupid. Um, But here's, what's amazing. After we made the announcement, we got contacted by five or six of the Sheraton employees that said, we love your show so much. Can I volunteer for you this year? And so we brought onto our volunteer staff, a number of Sheraton employees and ex employees just because they enjoyed what we did so much. And to me, that kind of says it all. I don't know of anything else that has a relationship with people like that and they they reached out to us and said, We want to come, we want to make this a success. And like <laughs> for your old hotel staff to do that, it's kind of
3: like, whoa, what 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 is this? What did I do? So And and I'll chime in for the people who haven't been to the show. So we, we get to go with the shop, we get to go to uh a lot of different shows around the country, including like the world championships out in Vegas and Dan and Gary put on a phenomenal production. I mean, it's, it's really an impressive uh, show and the passion of not just them, but then the people involved in bringing games and everything else. It's a, it's a community effort to really, I, I think, celebrate the uh, passion people have for all of these activities. And I, if you haven't gone, you're listening to the broadcast, you absolutely have to go. Um, Dan, so, uh, Tony Scheuter has a, a question for you though. And it's kind of an interesting question. Uh, what is the wildest thing to ever happen at the event? Uh, whether it's devastating, surprising, or, you know, otherwise, but what's kind of the most interesting thing, I guess, or wildest thing that stands
0: out in your mind over the years you've been doing it. Oh, that's, that's, uh. That's a great question. Every year at the show, the show is always such a blur to me that every year I usually have one or two kind of moments, just little moments that really stand out to me. And so one of them that stands out to me right now was the first year that we ever had Eugene Jarvis there. And maybe this sticks out because when I just mentioned that he's coming back and he is and he's awesome. And so the first year that Eugene Jarvis is there, I was kind of nervous, like, oh, man, we got this like this isn't. guy who made some of the games that like are really influential and man, I used to play all of his games and I hope he has a good time. and Then he tells his friends and stuff like that. He was one of the first like arcade guys that came to the show. And so it was at the Sheraton and I was walking one direction down the hall and he was walking the other direction. And as that was happening, he caught my eye and he like goes,
4: Dan.
0: And I was like, <laughs> Oh no, what just happened? And he goes, come here, come here, come here. And I was like, okay. okay. And I was thinking to myself, like, what in the world just happened? And he pulls me to the side and he goes, I've got to tell you. I just played a Vectrex in <laughs> Vectrex. And, was, and then he goes, it was awesome. And then he walks away. I love you, I, I was just sitting there like. okay Yeah. and so like a lot of the stuff like that I mean I I have a lot of the positive things that stand out there's been negative things too but um, I don't tend to think of them as the wild things because the like my background other than teaching I used to work for Six Flags and I was a full time member (laughs) of management that was in charge of
5: I think I remember this story
0: and so for me a lot of the like crazy stuff is more of the stuff that i just want to suck in and it's kind of normal like when you're entertaining twenty thousand people a day at a theme park you're going to have stupid crap happen and so for the most part that type of stuff isn't the stuff that i remember i remember the kind of crazy moments where someone grabs me and does something completely unexpected um or like i find out something that happened at the show and it's just like wait what really so so, uh,
1: we got a couple i got a couple of questions in the chat uh, yeah. can, can I interrupt? Um, so, Steve Markey. Um, so he says, have you ever considered selling a limited amount of Saturday night VIP tickets for the after party? I think he's talking about the arcade after party for those that can't bring games due to the great distance. And, and he says that we'll be willing to pay. Uh, to attend so you know add a hundred dollars uh and and it wouldn't stop people from bringing games um what do you think about that
0: right so um that's a great question the arcade after party the reason that it was started actually so our show compared to a lot of the straight up like um i'll use pinball expo as an example and compared to pinball expo our show brings in more of the general public and so one of the things that we realized when this was going on is that, like, I really enjoy talking to other people that have arcade games and pinball machines and stuff like that. And so if I brought in my Popeye game here, and if I wanted to meet someone else and talk about how cool Popeye is, Popeye's it's, awesome. I mean, it looks like a boat. Um, <laughs> if I wanted to talk with someone that actually the pinball. Ball.
1: He's talking about the pinball, though, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a giant boat. I love it's, it.
1: It's so cool.
0: Yeah. It, so, as a very brief aside, the gameplay on it is really not the greatest, and there's a lot of people that don't love it. Sure. But it looks like a boat, and so I can't get it <laughs> up in the basement because it's just like, it's like my 3D art right here. So anyway, though, yeah. I, I can have that conversation with someone at the after party, sure. whereas if I walk up to someone playing my Popeye during the regular show, they're going to be like, yeah, it's a game. And so we wanted to make sure that that was kind of something where those people were able to meet other people. Now that doesn't mean that we're unaware of the fact that there are people that have, you know, it's, it's very hard. Let's say that you're flying in from California. It's extremely hard for you to be like, cool, I'm going to fly in from California. Let me baggage check my donkey Kong machine so right, I can take uh, it out. Right. Uh, and we get that. And so the the goal of it is to remain exclusive. So that's the people that brought the machines that can do that. But on the flip side, our a new goal has been to create other things that give people different options that are similar. Okay. So the two big options that we have, the first is that there is an event at the Garcade, which is an arcade in Menominee falls. They have about 150 machines on their floor, um, about 30 pinball machines, about 120 arcade games, um, air hockey, a jukebox, some other stuff like that. And so for, I think it's $25, which includes coach bus transportation from the location and back to the location. You can go there and play games and basically have a very similar after-party experience as to what we do at the show floor itself there. Um, Additionally, we created a new VIG program this year that is, we call it kind of the the do-all-the-things pass. And particularly, we started an after-party last year at the Hilton next door. And that after-party, we are throwing a ton of resources in to make it special and different. Now, it's not quite the same as the arcade after-party because the arcade after-party is obviously 300 to 500 arcade games that are set up and playable. Sure. But it, if you're just going for the games, the Garcade one should be a really pretty solid option for those people. I think, I
1: think some of that's that. Um, a lot of us have close ties to people that bring games so they're, like for example in Minnesota there's a and you guys can back me up with this but there's a finite number of collectors that that you know overstep each other's bounds every week trying to get games and uh, and, and there's you know we love to party with those guys and I, I think Steve's question is more like I want to party with my Minnesota friends but I'm in way south Minnesota I gotta carry a trailer to bring a couple of games and it's Wisconsin Center, so maybe he's just out of luck. But it would be cool if you if you had an option to upgrade that made it unappealing for most people, but would give, bring money to the show. I think that's his point. I don't right. know. If-
4: and I mean
0: we we have looked into different options like that. And the problem is, is just that there's not an easy way to make it so that it works as something that's attractive to some people but not to others. Sure. Like we've had people suggest that, oh well make it a area and if you're outside of 200 miles away then you can buy tickets for it which is great except that how can i prove that like right and even if i could you have a friend that goes and buys you tickets well okay so what and the other part of it that's difficult is that part of the allure of the after party is its exclusiveness and so the the thing that's difficult is that if we said hey let's do a ticket because we do understand that we are going to have 100 people from California that otherwise won't be able to participate in this. If that happens and we bring in those other 100 people now, instead of there being less than one person per game, that's there. We now have maybe one and a quarter people. And now people are waiting for games and it changes the dynamic of it. And so it's, it's something that we're very aware of, but it's something that the show was kind of founded on making sure that the people that actually brought the stuff were able to do that. And I totally get, I mean, I don't actually own a vehicle that I can haul a machine in. So I totally get how difficult it can be for some people to bring stuff. Um, if, if I sell a game, there is no way for me, I mean, unless if I break it up and throw it in the back of one of my two cars in pieces, there is no way for me to physically deliver it to someone. There would be no way for me to take a game to the Midwest Gaming Classic personally unless if I got a truck or got someone that I know to bring a truck. So I do totally get it. It's just something that we have to maintain as a kind of exclusive thing to make sure that people are using it right and that we don't end up in a situation. I mean, ultimately, what we have to make sure doesn't happen is that if we have it where we have those 100 extra people that come in, maybe we lose 20 people the next year. And then we have, you know, get into one of those situations and...
1: Brian, you going hey,
0: to say? It's a balancing act. That's why we're trying to come up with other things that people might want to do.
1: And there are, there are plenty part of things of to mag- do. Brian, you were going to say? Sorry.
0: I will say part of the magic of that after show is that you get to play
3: the games. Because I know some of us who uh, <clears throat> come to the show, bring the games, you walk around the floor during the day, and it is popular. And it should be popular. And there are lines for the games that you don't get to play that often. And you get to that after show, and you kind of get access to that game you've wanted to play. And there is that... Interaction with other collectors. Uh, I know two years ago Troy brought up his reactor, which was a gorgeous. Uh, um, you know, he basically did a beautiful job restoring it. And during the day, I couldn't get near the machine. And then right. that night, we were able to go in, play it a few times, talk to him about it, talk to other players. I mean, it was a, it was a neat experience. And so I do think that there is an element there. I applaud you in your efforts to kind of like, uh, create alternate experiences. I, I gotta, I do have to ask you though. Like, so I, every year I see you at the show, you look like you are, you hadn't pulled in a million directions, which I imagine you are, but what is your favorite <laughs> part of the show? Aside oh, that's a good, that, that's a good question. That day that it ends. Yeah. I know that final hour, it's, you're like, Oh, we <laughs> it's made like, it. I love doing all so, this. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I don't, actually look forward to an ending which is perhaps weird um my favorite thing overall is seeing the like every year it's kind of like a family reunion so and like it's it's fascinating i was talking with um someone who ran a different show and he ran his show for many many years and he said the exact same words to me and it's so true every year it's kind of like a family reunion we show up on wednesday And people that show up on the Wednesday uh, to help, it's like a group of 20 people. And those 20 people, I may not see any other days except the Midwest Gaming Classic days. And it's like, oh, my God, I get to see all my friends again. And, I mean, honestly, for something like eight years, the show made less than $200 in profits a year.
4: That's okay.
1: That's okay. You just need to be not for profit, right? I mean, you're not. And that's the thing is you you don't want to make money, but you want to make enough to stay afloat.
0: Right. No, I, so I had a friend, uh, he's actually the guy who I credit for getting me into pinball Who five years ago ish, pulled me aside one day and said to me, I need to talk to you about the Midwest gaming class. And I was like, okay. And he goes, you need to make money. And I said, why? And he said, because this is something that everybody around here really looks forward to. And if you are making a hundred bucks a year, it's so easy for you to stop it. He said, I need you to make a couple thousand bucks a year. So that this is a trip for you or your family or something like that. So it's actually painful for when you decide to stop it, because otherwise you will decide at some point that your time is more valuable than this show. And I thought that was really fascinating. I've had a number of people suggest kind of similar things. And the truth is, is that at the end of the day, um, it's not like we're expecting the Midwest gaming classic to like, I'm not going home and Scrooge McDuck rolling in my money or anything like that. Um, I am making now a little bit of money with it. And obviously it's my full-time job, but I could make more money with a full-time job returning to teaching. And that, (laughs) that says a lot. So, um, it's, it's really about the people. And so for me, the thing that I really look forward to is seeing all the people. And I wish that I had more time, every year with it. And what's crazy is that I've developed friendships with like people that I never thought that I would. Um, I'll tell you a brief story about Eugene Jarvis again last year. So when he showed up last year, I, uh, met him at the door. I walked him in. We were chatting for a few minutes and I, uh, opened up into the game room and I said, yeah, I've got to show you what we all did together this year. And he was like, wow, this is incredible. And I said, okay, now I've got to point this out. Do you see that big pyramid in the back? And he kind of got this grin on his face and he said, yeah. And I said, that's Gary Stern's big pyramid. So, um, gauntlet throne. what are you going to do for us? And he (laughs) laughed so hard and he was like, I guess I've got to start bringing games. And, um, so we're seeing if we can get some from, yeah, raw thrills this year to be out at the show. But like the ability to have that sort of relationship with so many different people, um, Is just, it's fascinating. And it's one of those things that I I really enjoy getting to see so many people that are friends. Right.
3: You know, Dan, we've actually been at other events talking to some of these guys uh, Brian Collins, uh, uh, Eugene Jarvis, a couple of events, but. The one thing that's come up about your show over and over is we've had multiple people tell us when we're at these other shows that your show is one of their favorites, that they feel like it is a homegrown show that is about the collectors, about the games, and you've done such a good job of putting that together that way. So it's not just there that they're saying this to you, like they're actually saying this out at other shows that they're, you know, talking about MGC, talking about looking forward to it. So,
0: you know, kudos to you. I know you don't get to see that, but it really is an amazing thing you've done. Well, and thank you. And I appreciate that because at the end of the day, I mean, honestly, I'm just a fan. And so all of this is kind of surreal to me because like when I was a kid and I went to an arcade and I would play Robotron and I was like, man, this is cool. I was like, there's no way I'm ever going to meet whoever did this This way too cool. And now like if I wanted to, I could call Eugene tomorrow and be like, Hey, you know, let's talk MGC for 10 minutes. And I mean, if he answers the phone, that might happen. And so (laughs) uh, it's, it's fascinating. And like the, the passion that people have for it is really interesting. Um, One of the things that has been interesting this year is that we've, we're bringing some more, um, I don't know exactly what to call them, but like, for instance, just today, we announced that Ted DiBiase from the, uh, WWE hall of fame is coming to the show. And so like (laughs) one of the things that's fascinating is in talking with him about it and explaining what our goals were for the show and how we want to be different, like saying to him, we are not a place that allows people to pay money for autographs. We will ask you to sign. We will not ask you to sign for long, but you can't charge for autographs. And, like, he gets it, and he was so excited, like, oh, my gosh, I love shows like that. They're so much less stressful. And so he's, <laughs> like, the other day, um, if you look, two days ago, we had a little video where he did a little promo in that video. He would let I, I had asked him if he could just record something on the phone for us, and he sent me a video instead. And, like, I'm getting ideas now from even people like him saying, like, what about if you did this? What if we tried this? And it's this really fascinating collaborative effort that it, it makes it into so much more than what I think other things are. And so I'm not saying that our show is special in any way above anybody else's there. There's so many great shows that are out there, but I do think that we have a unique relationship with so many people that once they get involved, I have a question
1: along this line of uniqueness. Uh, we interviewed, um, Mark, you're gonna to have to help me out. Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Yeah,
0: I know. I don't remember their names is, offhand, is, but Mark, I know that.
1: Are you there? Do you freeze up? But,
2: uh, no, I'm. I'm not sure what you're prompting me. We, to say. We, I would
1: just the guy that we interviewed for SVG. He was on the show. Oh, Preston Burt. Preston Burt. He was a great guy. Uh, they actually have a wrestling event at their show.
2: Actual
1: wrestling. Yes. So, you know, uh, uh, this is really interesting. I I guess I forgot about the correlation of wrestling and, and video games, but it, it, the, it's not that big of a stretch. Two years ago, there was a guy walking around at MGC in, in the Starman wrestling outfit from Nintendo. It's the best costume ever. Seriously, I loved it. I was like, the guys are like bold enough to put on a pink jumpsuit, and you can't see yeah. anything but a star face. And I'm like, that's this is the character that I played in, in Nintendo wrestling. Just, you,
0: you know, it's it fantastic. fantastic. That? What's that? He wrestled in that. He was a local wrestler.
1: So is there going to be a tournament? Are you going to have like a wrestling event?
0: Um, So (laughs) without getting way into the weeds here, there are really, Wisconsin sucks at writing laws. And so we are in this weird place where we, we need to be classified as a trade show for certain reasons. And the long story short is that the only thing that the law really says is that you can't provide entertainment at the trade show. And so we what? have to make sure that everything... The whole that we thing provide, is entertainment. I mean, the whole oh, thing. Right. <laughs> so, and we have to make sure that everything that we provide is directly related to our trade, which is game. Okay. And so the, the thing that's difficult, and there's... I mean, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things that go into this that I won't bore you with because I can talk about this for 30 minutes and nobody will care. We don't
1: Hungarian. have that much
2: time.
0: Uh, but <laughs> and the, yeah. and the uh, but the truth is, is that we have to be careful because something like that, that unless if we can prove that there's a game tie-in for it, it doesn't work. The thing that's fascinating about, like, DiBiase is that he was in a whole bunch of different games. And so one of the things that I'm actually excited to do with him and what we wanted to ask him about is, You know, a. Have you played these games? B. If you have, do you always pick yourself, or do you pick someone else? And then C. What do you think of what they made you look like? Because back then it was all an artist rendition. It wasn't really you. Like I, I was, I saw, um, I had a picture of WWF uh, WrestleFest today, and he's in that game. And I had a picture of what he looked like in that game, and it looks like a weird like blobby version of him kind of and like when that's actually you i i think that's a fascinating thing and so we can ask him that stuff and then we can have some other stuff that's more fun and outside of just the regular world of that that we can have him do and he can bring a belt to the show and play with that in some kind of funny ways and we've got some other stuff up our sleeves and the after party is going to be funny because we we're having them live call and interact with people playing a video game like it's an actual wrestling event and stuff like that. And so there's going to be some outstanding things that we can do with them. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's fascinating, but yeah. And actually Southern Fried, they, they, I know when they were starting, they talked with me for a long time about different ideas and stuff like that. And I was happy to do my best to help. And I heard,
1: by the way, have the Opsils from 2DCon reached out to you yet? Because you, you'll probably be hearing from them soon. 2DCon is the Minnesota convention trying to do somewhat the same thing that you're doing today. Uh, and they'll be at the Hyatt this year, but uh, I might hook you up with Shanna. She's the uh, chairwoman uh, and she's, she's looking for advice. They got some things they want to do and you have experience. I've already been lending my experience as a patron uh, mm-hmm. to their convention they've been growing hand over fist for the last five years. Uh, I know what you, I know, you know what that is like, um, yeah, but let's, uh, let's throw all that. I would like you to kind of plug the convention right now and tell us, first of all, um, uh, what VIG gets you, what general admission gets you. Tell us the tiers and, and what those pieces
0: get you. Sure. I'll try to walk through everything as quick as I can. I'll start with, um, if you are an arcade collector, and if you are in town on Friday or can be in town on Friday, and you should be, you I should will go to there. Tom Taylor's house. It's from one until four or five. I forget offhand. It's online. Starts at $25. Your donation goes 100% to the Milwaukee Rescue Mission, which is a charity that Tom picked. Tom's collection, it's not at a house. It's at his place. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> it's he a, has a,
1: it's he a pole barn. Games. It's an amazing pole barn. And yeah. it's like... 275 EMs with about 20 last year was
0: 350 I believe that he's currently at 347 from what he last
1: had. and then he has like about what 10 to 25 modern uh
0: I would say, oh, I'm sorry. The the 340 whatever number is everything. Everything he's is got good. probably about 30 to 40 actual modern games. Sure. it's kind of a front section of one area. Solid he's
1: state, a, and then then D&D few, and whatever else. Yeah, right now, so
0: yeah, he's got a few video games. He's got an area with a bunch of ball bowlers and ski balls and stuff like that. He actually he has so much space that when I was moving, he held 15 of my games for me, and they were all set up and playable. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the thing that's amazing about his space, too, is that you don't usually get to go in it, and um, because it's obviously a private collection. And so, the thing that's really interesting, this year we raised the price on it by $5, because usually we would announce it and it would sell out by December 1st. This year there's still tickets available. I believe last that I checked, it's around 20 tickets that are still available. We only open it up to 100 people. So. I'm a little shocked that those tickets haven't sold. I would suggest doing that sooner than later if you want to see one of the largest and most unique individual
1: private, collections. Of private that. collections, right? So, and I've been to it twice. Uh, I don't go every year. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. It's it's a much different experience. I think MGC has, you know, of course, uh, a number of EMs, but um, these right. are all wedge head EMs, like a lot of Gottlieb, uh, um, a lot of every
0: still Gottlieb.
1: Yeah. So, and, and 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 it's it's fantastic if you can. He's there, so you get to talk to him. But he's got he's yeah. got rare stuff too. Like he has the only Nintendo uh, pinball machine, the little Super Mario deal. He's got he's got all kinds oh. of stuff. No, he doesn't. That was mine.
4: It's <laughs> not here. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> that game <laughs> Sorry, is. Sorry, everybody.
4: That's in my rare. basement
1: now. Oh, sweet! That's such a cool game. I got to play it while I was
0: there. By the way. Yeah. So, thank you. It's. Yeah, no problem. It's better than, I mean, it's the, it's a great game. And I'll tell you this too. Tom, the reason that he started the open house was that he was really frustrated by the people that would say, well, the Midwest Gaming Classic is a video game thing. and There's not really any pinball machines. And he was like, Uh well, if we have my 350 games and we add it to your 200 games, anybody going to say that 550 games isn't enough for a weekend? And so that was his original thing where he said, I want to do this because I want to show people just how much pinball means to the show. And quickly,
1: so, right now, uh, what's the ratio uh, at the current MGC for pinball versus
0: arcade? Arcade video? Yeah. Um, I mean, you have a lot uh, of pinballs. Uh, pinball last, last year was... 65. 65? 65-35. And that's in large part because the pinball um, manufacturers have all gotten on board Sure, with and,
1: and let's just say 65% pinball, you said? yes yeah so we're talking like this is a legit pinball convention and also by the way
0: it's over 300
1: for for people that bring pinball there's a tournament that's exclusive to the people that bring it am i right
0: um there's a number of different things that we do as exclusive stuff both on the saturday night we do exclusive best in show trophies um we're adding some more stuff to that so there's a lot of reasons for that and as a real quick aside, I was actually just on pin side today with a novel of a post describing the <laughs> load-in and load-out process, because last year there was some um, concern, to put it nicely, yeah, about how load It's
1: a works. great place to load games. It, it, it's actually better than the Sheraton was
0: but our loadout sucked and our loadout sucked in large part because of the snow and partially because the center came back to us and was like, well, we're going to run how loadout works. And then they completely screwed up our system. And so we went back to them this year and I basically said, no, we can't do this. We have to be in charge of this. And they're letting us be in charge of it. And we're pretty sure that we're going to nail the issues on loadout that we had. And quite frankly, we, we had a line basically for picking up games for about two hours on Um, two and a half hours on Sunday night, and that sucks. But we were also in the midst of a blizzard, and it was our first year at a new place. We think that we can almost eliminate that line this year through a few things. I have a question question for you. So that we can get through that. Um, Friday night is our preview night. It used to be called VIG. We changed it to preview night because that is a better explanation of what is going on. And it was always really awkward for me to try to explain to the news media, well, we're open tonight, but we're sold out. But we're not sold out tomorrow, and don't worry, we'll have enough tickets for anybody that shows up. And so we we had the news media that was always like, how'd you know that you'll have enough tickets? And it was like, well, this is stupid. We need to change this so that we can explain what this is easier. So it's now called Preview Night. Mm-hmm. Preview Night opens up the majority of the arcade and pinball hall, the majority of the Classic Gaming Console Museum, Um, One of our large tabletop areas and about 50 percent of our second floor content, which is additional uh, halls and games and exhibits and stuff like that. And so we only sell for that night. um, We we sell a very limited number of tickets. The final number is in flux. Um, Last year, we sold about 500 tickets for it. Um, we are playing because we've doubled the size of the game room last year. The game room size was 31,500 square feet. This year it will be 63,000 square feet. So we're thinking about potentially adding 100 more people to it. But even at that rate, 600 people, um, in a day compared to last year when our Sunday was 9,000, you can basically walk up to anything and play it and get the chance to really experience the
4: games. So it gives you that option a lot quicker. Um, then we
0: have Saturday general admission, Sunday general admission, two-day general admission, and those are just admission to the entire show. So Saturday is ten to eight, Sunday is ten to five. If you pre-order, you get early access to one hall at nine thirty each day. Uh, Saturday it's the benefit hall. And Sunday
1: by the way, the there gamer. are two floors of games. It's not just yep. the main floor. And so when you get there, make sure to explore the whole area.
0: Right, and we are moving where the ticket booth is in a way that is going to be much smarter for being able to direct people around. Oh, awesome. the, without going into another really long thing last year, the way that we had to set things up um, was not the way that we would have liked to. Sure. And this year, basically I was like, Hey, we're <laughs> going to do this the way we want to. And they were like, okay. And so um, I think that they trust us now. Whereas, and That's I good. get it the first year they were like, we don't know what you've operated. We don't know any of this stuff. And like, I Like I said, I was a capacity expert for Six Flags. We literally fly in um, one of the other people that I worked with from a different Six Flags park that was still an active capacity expert. And so, like, we know how to run big events. This is... We, we we do our best at it. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. But. And
1: by the way, if you want to know how they run events with like the electricity and everything, check out the previous episodes with Dan Lewis and, uh on Arcade Radio where he talks about uh, the 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 uh, Doc Ock and, and uh, how they provide power for their their massive amount of games. And and, and any convention could take. Uh, take a hint from that because as you grow your games list you're going to need a way to power them because the hotel link got the power uh so yeah uh, it's a yeah. and i'll
0: I'll just i'll throw into that though that the some of the circumstances are difficult so if you're actually an event that's looking to do that um i'm very busy right now so i don't know that i can get back to you (laughs) super easy but contact me and i'll tell you about the pros and the cons of building a fifty thousand dollar power grid for your are you
1: willing to rent that to other conventions?
0: Uh like let me put it this way. We've always talked about that. We have to figure out what makes sense because one of the things that's difficult is if we're gonna send a fifty thousand dollar power grid somewhere, how do we guarantee that we get it back? Right. And not saying that I don't trust other shows, but like
1: maybe you just need know. a guardian and like right. you know, well and then I could, if, I could I could I could walk it over to the other convention. And make yeah, sure it gets I back to I you. Think
4: we'll
3: need, I think we just need to get Dan up to uh, 2DCon. I think that'd be good, actually. it would be really
0: go. good. Well, I guess what I'm saying with that in particular is that like, if we're shipping it through a company, the copper that's in it alone is well worth it for someone to just... Oh, you know, I, I hear you there. ...accidentally lose. And so we, we're a little bit protective of it, but I'm if there's a show that wants to use it, I'm all ears to figuring out something that would be fair between us two figure out how to do it
1: so the biggest the biggest difference between a vig guy and a a person who buys a vig ticket this year and a non-vig what 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 do you Yep,
0: and that's what i was about to go back to so our vig program we did have a number of people that wanted us to keep the vig program because we did some additional things with it and so Gary and I sat down this year and said, all right, we need to make the VIG into something special. And so VIG is now our do-all-the-things-pass. And so we say you get all the tickets and you get all the merch. And so if you buy VIG, it's $175, which is the same price as buying Friday, Saturday, Sunday tickets and
4: an after-party ticket. Um, For that price, you get Friday preview
0: night, you get Saturday, you get Sunday, you get the after-party. The after party, there's going to be a number of unique events there. There's going to be the wrestlers there doing their thing. Howard Phillips from Nintendo is going to be on hand and you can play him in Nintendo games. Um, there's some things that haven't yet been announced. Brian Cullen is doing something special at the after party. We've got another two or three things up our sleeve. Um, John Gioli is performing some of the Sonic the Hedgehog tunes that he's done live at the after party in like concert-type setting. We've got a Vegas DJ there. It's
1: uh, oh, DJ. That'd be fun. So, like seventies, eighties yeah, yeah. type of stuff.
0: Uh, a little. I mean, so he last year was doing everything from integrating video games into stuff to uh, to some of the newer dance music to all this different stuff. And last year, the after party was if you went last year, it wasn't what it's going to be this year. Last year was fine, but we had sized it for a venue that was a hundred people. Okay. And within two weeks of the show actually starting. The venue that we were supposed to have it at said, shoot, we can't have you that weekend. And so we like did a panic move to the Hilton, which worked out great. But the Hilton space was like 350 capacity. Mm. And we had sold at this point over 100 tickets. And we were like, well, we sold out. So do we go back to people and say, just kidding, we didn't sell out. (laughs) Or do we go, well, we'll just run it for 100 people. And so we we were like, well, no matter what, this isn't a great answer. And so we ran it for the 100 people. And the problem that we had was simply that when you put 100 people in a hall that's got a capacity of 350, it looks kind of weird. It does. And so this year we've got events and stuff like that where it's going to be it's going to be really fun. I, uh, I hope to be able to sneak away and see some of the stuff that we're doing over there because of that.
1: I, I do um, have to ask one then, question about yeah. the VIG
0: badge. Yeah. That's what I was about to go into. Actually.
5: Okay. <laughs> never mind.
1: I'll
0: just shut
5: up. I'll just shut up.
0: No, do you know what it is?
5: <laughs> I do. Uh, I heard that it might have something to do with Nintendo.
0: It so. does. So, We um, have a designer that came to us after the show. He actually also does the pre-show that is in our same space called CypherCon. And he said, I'd really like to make a Nintendo game for you guys because it would be really a cool badge. And I was like, yes, it would. And so we put our heads together and all of the VIGs are getting a special colored shell cartridge of uh, this game. And the game, I, I don't know that I'm supposed to reveal the name yet, um, but we <laughs> should have a, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I'll just put it this way. It, it has two cows and it's going to be subtitled BNI.
4: Ah, oh,
1: okay. So I ordered VIG probably 40% because of that cartridge.
4: Yeah,
0: well
1: um <laughs> I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. Like I just want the cartridge. And I'll, parties, say, I'll go to the parties, I'll go to things. It this
0: way too. The guy that's programming it yeah. is incredible. Okay. So he's known for his name's V Gray and he uh, he's oh, yeah. known for hacking the Nintendo console. And so one of the things that he's done as a project is that he made a um, a zip decoder. For the Nintendo, where you can load a ROM onto your cartridge, plug it into the system, the zip decoder uh, decodes the ROM, and then plays it, which really, like, on one hand, is this crazy technological achievement. On the other hand, you don't even notice if you're just playing the game. And so, there is a number of features and stuff like that where he's come to me and he's been like, oh my God, (laughs) I've got this crazy idea. What if we? And... There, I'll just put it this way. There will be stuff about this cartridge that if he gets in everything that he expects to, there will be stuff about this cartridge being found in five years and 10 years that people will not know about until.
1: I'm now. so excited. I mean, i can't believe how excited I am about that. And it's so, it's silly because like, I'm a, I'm a big, like the whole reason I got into arcade collecting is because every time I bought a console, I would end up buying the arcade collections. You know, Mm -hmm. and I'd want to, I want to emulate that those, you know, like your dad bought the 2600 because he liked asteroids. Uh, We all wanted to play those games at home. And um, part of that excitement was to bring the arcade experience home. But one thing is, is that you never expected is that you would lose that arcade experience because... The social element is completely gone, and that's why we have these conventions. That's why we have right. we, MGCs and the Southern Fried Gaming Expo and right. TootyCon. These are these, the reason why these things are so popular right now, and why all these barcades are cropping up all over the United States is because. People miss the freaking social experience of gaming right. with each other. Right. And so uh, while I love all these l- you know really cool things, I- you need to share them with somebody. So right. having a badge with a-, a video game on it that you can discuss with somebody, w- 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 this is going to be super fun. And I don't even get to play it. We used to call Nintendo No Friendo because, honestly... You, you mostly played it yourself, right? You didn't yeah. bring... You, bring your, you brought your friends over, you played, you know, Jackal, you played, uh, you know, Contra and a couple other games, or Pizza, and then, like, watch your buddy play Super Mario for 12 hours while he...
4: Yep.
0: <laughs> I remember that. It wasn't It was Gorilla guerrilla war for me, that I remember just sitting there on the bed of someone, right. one of my friend's friends and watching for, like, two hours and wishing that it had a
1: three-player moment. Right, it's friggin' no friendo. And... and yep the The fun thing now is that since we've grown with these games, uh, and like my buddy, I go over to his house once a week. He's got an emulator set up. We always look for the two player games because it's about the interaction and the egging of people on and stuff. So we don't play a lot, but we'll also compete in like Excite Bike, right? So we'll do a run and then pan off the controller. But my point is, is that um, it's super cool to be getting like this. Thing that is playable and you can share with the people that are in the VIG crowd. So I highly
4: let me, encourage.
0: Yeah, you know, that's something else then that you'll find really interesting. This is not 100% official yet, but I expect that this is official enough that I can say this. Um, part of what we wanted to do was bring that experience to people after they've left the convention too. Sweet. So there will be a way that you will be able to track your scores against everyone else that has this card. Oh,
4: that
1: will be so cool. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. And then we can like so when
0: you when you get a high score, you'll be able to go online and compare it to everybody else that has one. And, and then you can go on social media or text a friend and be like hi you suck i beat you and so um <laughs> so it's kind of like i'm i've been on the leaderboards of some of the like uh txk for the vita and stuff like that and i know a lot of the other people that were big into the tempest update games and so there's actually this thing where it's like oh my gosh i know that guy and so this will actually kind of do that with a game that We expect it to be a brand new feature that no other games had. And again, this is where V is just amazing where he comes up with, I've got this great idea. Let's do this thing that's been done. And then like, well, and then if I do that, I have to make sure that we do these five things with it, so that it works right. And it's, it's, if he gets again, half of what he has planned into this game, it's going to be amazing. So, and that cartridge will be available in a different color for people that don't get VIG, for $45. So, Sweet. um, if you're going to go to the show again, right now, if you're looking at value, now we're up to, we've got $175 worth of tickets. We just added in this, that's $220 worth of stuff. And then there's also going to be a shirt from Brian Cullen that he made specifically for the VIG shirt is amazing. Is designed, yeah. It's designed after rampage. The rampage characters are attacking the Midwest gaming classic. Um, it's on the, the Facebook Berlin, page
1: guys, Facebook rampage. UK
4: radio. Yep
0: and it's on uh, it's on our facebook page too the the girl in red is wearing her vig badge and she's running away from the rampage characters and there will be some of these that will be for sale outside of vig but the basically that's because we have to overrun everything that we do in case sure. there's any issues so but you're talking 45 right plus let's just say
1: 25 have. you know you're at 70 bucks already how much is vig
0: uh VIG is 175.
1: Yeah, so for 100 bucks, uh, you get into all the things. Plus, you get all the cool things. You get your own playable Nintendo cartridge as your badge, which yep. is unbelievable. And then you get a T-shirt. You get all the there's so there's other things. So you get like a special badge lanyard. 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 And yeah,
0: so yep, do a yearly pin, so you'll mm-hmm. get that. There's going to be some discounts on additional merchandise at the show. If you want that, we're probably doing glasses this year, like pint glasses. Um, oh, cool. We're doing some other stuff like that, and so VIGs will get that. We're actually working with um, different local businesses to offer VIGs discounts. So I know, for instance, that the Hyatt, which is one of our hotels, is doing a special Midwest Gaming Classic menu, and it's hilarious because, like, I remember one of their things that they put on it for the one that they showed me was – uh Uh, kazooie sandwich and it's like a chicken sandwich from banjo kazooie and it made me giggle quite a bit and all the vigs that go to that if you show your vig badge so if you show your game cartridge you will get a discount on your food there and so we're trying to make this into something that has so much value that's packed into it that it's a can't miss thing because and the, the honest thing here is that the flip side of this is that the money that we bring in from VIG. From the people who are saying, Hey, we want to make this additional commitment to the show is helping us add on a lot of the cool stuff this year and do so in a way that doesn't potentially run us out of business by us spending a bunch of money that we don't know if we get back. So the VIG people that buy VIG are specifically helping us bring in the people that are going to be at the VIG after party. They're specifically helping us to be able to produce this NES cartridge. They're, they're doing this. And so it's something that I'm ultra appreciative and thank you for buying it in advance because everybody that does it, um, it it helps the show more than I can explain. And it's, it's going to end up being a super important part of the show moving forward, but we're going to keep it limited and we're going to keep it as a really, really good value
4: Um, at the
0: current rate of sales. And it's so hard to tell what our sales do. So I'm going to say where we're at right now in the current rate of sales, we have about 10 days left before it'll be sold out. Um, I don't know exactly what will happen. So it could be a month. And then I look like an idiot for having just said that it could be tomorrow. And then I also look like an (laughs) idiot for having said that. But um,
1: I'm serious, you guys, there's not much, there's not many people in the the live chat tonight, but uh, if you're at all considering this convention, Uh, this is the way to go, because you will get absolutely everything. In fact, I'm going to be there a day early on Thursday, and I think I might throw an arcade radio uh, early party, assuming I can keep it on rails and and make sure I can stay awake for the next... Two to, two to three days i've, I've knocked myself out on the first night of the convention it's not a good thing so <laughs> but what i would love to do is invite all of our arcade radio friends to join us at a table for dinner on thursday night so i will be out there uh way before the convention starts and i will th- even if we were going to do a lunch we could do that but uh um Anyway, this is this is a, the most awesome thing. We have two people in the chat that said, "Will Arcade Radio be live at MGC uh, and do like a Name That Song tournament, which would be kind of fun, right? We could do What's in the Juke, and then uh, uh, and Tony says, Dan, that would be incredible. Uh, I might need to talk to you about making this actually happen at some point. Maybe we need to uh, rent yep, a block of
0: time. Drugs, right? You know, It'd be super fun." Email me. We have a stage that would be perfect for it this year.
1: It'd be great because we. I, I, and what we need to do is get Mark and Brian to attend at the same time so we can make this the real trifecta that well, we should
3: be. Well, while we're on the show, I got a message from Susan saying, I've booked rooms. I'm buying tickets. I mean, so yes. my wife is upstairs spending money on the show as we speak, down <laughs> yes. right. So, Don't Mark, have to go look. Mark, a job. get
4: tickets for you and your wife. Well,
1: actually, it's a good excuse to come and visit so, the fan. So, get your butt up here. It's gonna be awesome, Brian. And I, you gotta do it. You gotta but, do
3: it. And you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, we might be able to work something out for that Thursday if we do a pre-party. Mm-hmm. I might be able to uh, make a few calls or pull something off and get us some uh, tokens and stuff for uh, sure. Up down,
1: we could do a total like arcade radio MGC. Boom! Let's let's make let's a pre party, but everybody stay sober for the next night. You know, uh,
0: uh, <laughs> up down is spectacular. Help me convince them to do something for the show. We
1: could no do challenge. that. We can help you with that for
0: sure. Yeah, shouldn't be so hard. I can tell you what I mean later, but uh, <laughs> and I don't think it will be. But there's I'll explain
1: later. Right, <laughs> sounds good. We can yeah, do the...
0: They're we... awesome though. They're, I uh they're I, good people. I, I really like them. Now having said that, I also really like the Garcade in town. I really oh, yeah. like Bounce Milwaukee in town and both of them do stuff with our show currently. So yeah. um You know, UpDown's kind of my number three right now, but they're really cool. So I'd love to get them involved, too, so that I can uh, promote the hell out of them, too.
3: So right now, Dan, you know, I have about 200 of the UpDown arcade games sitting in my warehouse. So we actually do a lot of repairs for them. We do a lot of work for them. I actually have a meeting with the owners coming up next week, so we'll have to have some conversations.
1: And that's why we have these shows, right? So we can network.
0: Yeah, Yes, this would be great. So, Well, and yeah, like I said, I'll tell you guys some stuff offline that, that uh, I don't good. want to say right now. Well, hey, they, you know, I they, think, it's nothing
4: bad.
1: I want to right, just say...
0: This oh my gosh, is, what is he hiding? I'm not hiding anything.
1: This has um, been a great preview
0: weird of,
2: stuff.
1: of MGC. Hang after the show, Dan. We'll talk about other things. And, you know, I just want to say, everybody, thanks for hanging in here tonight. Let uh, You know, any other questions,
2: Uh Hey, well, let, let's let Dan do that quick version of the tour that he gave us when oh, we yeah. were off the that's air. That's a
1: great idea. Uh, we had we did have a request in the chat. Uh, we, we'd like to sure. see your game room. So, so well, well, that's that a great thing to two. sign up. I'm going to put some background music on, and you just give us a tour.
3: There were sure. two parts to that request. One request was, Dan, uh, and I know that you uh, were giving us a little indication that you think it's a little crazy, but the first part was how many games do you have? Which is always a fun question, box collectors. And the second one was a tour of your basement.
0: Yeah. Um, So arcade and pinball machines, I own two for. Just kidding. Um, I own two (laughs) inside um, for reasons that we had discussed before the show starts. (laughs) Just because I used to get the weirdest contacts through Pinside about like, hey, I need to come over and play your game, and it was like that is not the way that you start. introduction to someone. Um, (laughs) I actually own somewhere around 70 to 80, um, mostly pinball games, um, as well as some, uh, videos and stuff like that. I've kind of stopped doing as much lately because I moved to the house that I'm in right now. And we discovered after I moved in that I can fit about 25 in the basement. So it was like, why the hell do I have eight? So Um, I've been kind of waiting with the rest. There's some different things that may or may not go on with them, and I'm slowly getting them ready for sale. The problem is is that the time that I have to work on them is like the three months after the show, and then they spend nine months breaking, and then I'm like, well, I'm not going to bring a broken game that I can fix the show. So it's like this stupid cycle where I'm not doing a very good job of uh, getting rid of them.
1: Well, I think you're doing a great job. And let's get a tour right now. I'm going to put some music.
0: Here we go. Oh that's okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was just interesting music so uh, yeah, I have four Stern games over here Iron Man has become one of my favorite games that I own and I play it all together too often uh, Big Buck Hunter if anybody happens to own a Big Buck Hunter and can walk me through a complete rebuild of the Buck Mech it now is scratching my play field and it sucks so um, I, I I know how to repair games really well <laughs> This one is totally baffling to me. And because there's only like 300 of these games that exist, there's no information on it, and there's no <laughs> spare parts. Um, so moving further, we've got Rapid Fire. Um, I passed a Carnival. Back here, Hot New Game's kind of interesting. Hot New Game was a Williams text game um, that they would develop games on. When I got it, it had shown 13 coins dropped in it in its lifespan, and it had special test boards in it. I now use it as just kind of a various jam a board, but I keep it all together because of that. Um, Rob Zombie's out of place because uh, the gas company came over and found... We have a gas lamp out front, and they found that it was leaking because our the previous homeowner was really bad at fixing things. So uh, it's <laughs> out of the place while we wait to not blow up our house. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, That's
5: That That does not sound good.
0: Don't blow up yeah, that yeah. basement.
3: Luckily... Mark is frozen. I gotta like like take a screenshot of Mark's
0: explode, forehead. <laughs> it's enough. You don't want to do it it so um, I've got Popeye because like I said before with Popeye it looks like a boat so it's even though it's not the greatest game in the world I can't get rid of it because it looks like a boat um, and Star Wars Episode 1 um, this is a, I've got A Dreamcast collection of all the Dreamcast games, because those are awesome. Um, I've got a Sega Super GT dual race cab, because uh, I used to work for Chuck E. Cheese, actually. And when I worked for Chuck E. Cheese, we had a league on this game. And uh, Tony was... Schwader,
1: Tony Schwader, one of our listeners, also looked for Chuck E. Cheese. That's pretty cool. Awesome,
0: yeah. The that game, we, we would have a league after we closed on that game, and that game was stupid hard, and so it earned like garbage. We would earn like ten bucks a week on it, but all the employees would go play it after everybody closed because it was so hard that we actually could do it. Um, wow, my lighting is terrible here. And it's like,
1: fine. We, we, you look great.
0: We got Viper Knight Drive-In, which I absolutely adore that game. Um, got Jurassic Park, obviously an in-process uh, Dracula over here. Royal Rumble, an Airborne, Galaxian, Miss Pac-Man. I won't walk too far that way because it looks like Cluster Bomb went off. Um, I've got America's <laughs> Most Wanted over there. A Caribbean Cruise cocktail game, a, an OutRun, a Demo Man, a Star Trek Next Generation. Um, maximum... Force here was a game that when I uh, picked it up I uh, (laughs) I It was because my wife, whenever when we were first courting, there was uh, it was before the age of Cor- cell phones. So courting her yeah,
5: when we were first courting. I a phone, and
0: I would get nervous <laughs> on the way, and I would walk through. This was I was on a trip, and I'd walk through an arcade, so I'd stop and I'd shoot terrorists.
1: You told this story. You told this story on a previous episode.
0: I come back and shoot terrorists. I love it. And so whenever I look at this game, I'm like, oh. We don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh noise Robotics.
0: Um here's your uh Super Mario Brothers Mushroom World from Tom's.
1: Yeah, I played that game. I played that game so,
0: Yeah. And so I've got I'm in I also have other stuff I, I can't aim very well right now, but like I've actually got like I have magic cards that are sitting on here. And so if we keep going around, I have uh other stuff of pretty much all the different stuff from the show. I've got um, A jaguar collection. That's actually what the show started as. Was a jaguar show. So I've got all those in a cabinet around the corner. But it's (laughs) the lights burnt out, and I can't figure out why it doesn't work. So uh, (laughs) I'm not going to show you a dark corner because that'd be weird. Um, So we're still working.
1: Wait a minute! I love your Batman neon up there. Can I have that? Because that's really cool. Yeah,
0: that that was a uh, eBay purchase. They're not too expensive actually. I I might
1: have to get one of those.
0: The sign that's more special down here. Let's see if it turns up. Uh, The sign that's more special down here is there's a Super Nintendo one that's up here. That was one of the store ones. Oh, I see that. Um, I see that, yeah. And Back in the day, there-ish, back in the day, um, when I picked that up, I went to a Local place that was a video store, and I asked them about buying it, and they were like, "Oh, we're not going to sell that." And then they were going out of business, and I asked them, and I back, beg- and they were like, "Oh, I don't know." And then I came back in like three more times, and finally they were like, "Fine, ten bucks." Like, yes. Yes. So, uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you serious?
3: Yeah. I want to punch you in the nuts next time I see you. There, so there yeah. was a there was a that, that. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, there was a local uh, Nintendo repair service sign that I saw on our, and I hounded that guy like there was no tomorrow, and it sounded like offer up for months, drove me crazy.
0: But it was a nice neon. Never, yeah. never sold to anyone. I couldn't find it. The uh, the thing about this is that I bought it in like 2002. And so back then, none of this stuff had nearly the value that it does now. I also bought my Star Fox competition cartridge for like $6. And um, that would be figured out nowadays online pretty quickly, where I literally didn't even know what I was buying because, again, cell phones weren't a thing. And so last game that I've got here is Elven um, G Soccer Ball, which is a head, head game game that's just pretty awesome so awesome
1: ta-da. so 25 games in the basement you're pretty proud of that how often do you have people down here but it's pretty regularly
0: um well so the the thing about my arcade down here is that i really just kind of completed it the <laughs> this house is an adventure um our house is from 1886 and it's a duplex and wow. so when we we were like oh this is going to be great I'm going to fix this up and it's going to be real easy to move all the stuff into Um, this basement the walls that are behind me took 3,280 pounds I think it was of mortar and um, they originally had life living in them like you're not supposed to have worms able to tunnel through mortar but we, we had that and so I fixed that but it's been quite the adventure I've had people over once actually my birthday was really recently and so I use that as a happy birthday also thanks (laughs) happy birthday uh, I hope to do that more often now so but it won't happen again until after the show right that's it
1: well, I want to just gonna. We should probably wrap up here tonight. We're gonna keep our listeners a little bit longer than we normally do, but I really appreciate being on the show. So, uh, you know, yeah, and, and again, hang out with us a little bit afterwards. So we can wrap up, but I want to say this has been an excellent episode and a great preview of MGC 2019. So if you're going to go to Midwest Game Classic, you've got to go. you got to get sent for VIG because there's like only 10 days of tickets left. You need to you get it now. We you hurt you or less. That's what I'm saying about. So, uh, we get, right, right guys? we, we got to
2: buy now. An and Mark, you've got to find a way. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, my laptop keeps me moaning, But I'd like to say thanks again for listening in on the double R's. That's Arcade Radio.
5: Is it too loud?
3: It's quite loud. That be it Facebook, is. Arcade Radio, or ArcadeRadio.com. That's R-C-A-D-E-R-A-D-I-O.com.
1: Oh, I feel like I'm supposed to say something. <laughs> you can also call... But nobody does. 612548 game. 8. Uh, right?
4: Right?
2: Yeah, right. Chris Palace, you're listening uh, on uh, the podcast. I think you should call us. This is just a special shout out to somebody that. that oh, that's that cool. To it. Uh, yes. you, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com arcade radio. That's arcade with an R. Or Twitter at arcade radio again. And I just, want, with an R. I just want
1: to shout out to Steve Murky. First time he's listening to the show live. He's been in the chat all night long. asking questions. Thanks for being in the chat, uh, Tony Schwader, a previous guest and a friend of the show. Thanks for being on Broker Daily. Oh, uh, Greaser. Oh man. Yeah, Stephen Ball. Stephen Ball. Aaron. Oh man, dude, we've had so many people on tonight. It's been really, really good. So uh, I want to just thank everybody who listens to the show regularly. Thanks for tuning in in the live chat and uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music and SoundCloud.
3: Subscribe on your YouTube channel. It's just one click.
1: Click, It's just a click.
3: It's a click click. right? Uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's gonna be
5: it for our show. Wait, I want you to do this in your best,
1: your best okay. possible
5: case to case and voice. We'll do your best. I'm I'm Casey King. Closer to your mic, get closer to your mic. Now that's gonna be it for our show. From the arcade
2: radio team, we hope you had a great time, and we'll see you in the next episode. (laughs) I mean seriously. So So now
1: we
5: have to like I was coming out of a down tempo record, and I got to do this damn ending of a show. Uh, Yeah, so terrible. Uh, You know, uh, just do it live. (laughs) All right, here we go. These pants come off,
4: right?